Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 228 of At Odds with Wrestling. Maybe the beginning of a new era for At Odds with Wrestling? I think so. Like, everything you knew before is a lie. It's all Mm. getting turned upside down. Right, but it's still going to be the same old show that you've come to know and love over these past 227 episodes. Maybe you'll love this one just as much. It's Joe and Adam, everyone. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing fine. Yeah, I'd say 80% of the show going forward will be about the same. Right, 80%, right. Exactly. Maybe not the 20% that you know and love. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we should get into, uh, I've been relatively busy over the last week. Oh, yeah, you've been up to stuff, huh? We're going to put that here on the podcast? Yeah, why not? Let's put it right up at the front. And, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of upheaval with the Longbox Heroes click-through, which affected the at-odds click-through, because they were all pretty much handled by you. Right. And that got shut down. Go listen to Longbox Heroes After Dark for more details on that. And I say... And I got my official response uh, this week telling me that any other accounts that I have or may open in the future will be closed without payment. So uh, some people may have taken business. Again, there's a person on this podcast who usually goes into business for themselves. (laughs) This time it was actually for good and not evil. Yeah, exactly. Um, Since you've been blacklisted from Amazon, I said I need to create a new Amazon click-through for the podcast. And one of the things that it does, if anybody hasn't gone through this process before, which is probably most of you, is it does ask, what website will you be using for this link? Like, where are you referring customers from? And I didn't want to use longboxheroes.com because the stink of you getting banned is probably associated with that email address. So Joe had suggested off air that I look into creating an at odds Dot com at oddswrestling.com. And Joe, when you suggested that, what percentage chance did you think that I would do that, at least in a reasonable amount of time? Um, 50-50. So, yeah, so I'll, okay. I'll, I'll say this. So I knew that you were getting the, the ball rolling on stuff, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure if you would take a direct suggestion from me. <laughs> I pretty much everything that we discussed off air before last week's show, I put into motion within 24 hours. Right. Uh, as I said, to start things off is the newly launched at oddswrestling.com. So it is one place where you can go. And I'm actually going to bring up the website right now just to get some traffic, free traffic. <laughs> but it's a one-stop shop for pretty much everything at odds, whether it be... Uh, our podcast, which obviously you can get from the website, our merch store, more on that in a moment, a working Amazon click through because I fixed that and got that under my email and the new at oddswrestling.com domain. Uh, I, I just see since the last time that I looked at it on Tuesday, you added a voicemail thing that wasn't there on Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a, it's got a hot button, so if you open the website up on your phone and click the voicemail button, it'll automatically open up your dialer, which I know is pretty simple stuff by 2023 standards, but it blew my mind. You know? Well, it's blowing my mind right now. Yeah, so it has uh, obviously previous episodes, uh, which is just a link to where you archive them on Longbox Heroes, but also like all of our other promotions, like how we have our promo code for Jerry's Wrestling, you know, soon to be named Network.com, so on and so forth. 
But I got that all up and running, and now we do have a working click-through. So when we get to that segment of the show, it's going to be a little bit reversed, because I am going to read off the purchases. And as everyone knows, I have perfect dictation, and I speak very eloquently, so I'm not at all going to flub some of these uh, titles. That'll be fun, you know? Right. And Go ahead. I was going to say, did you mention the other thing that's there as well? I'm working on it. So I wanted to mention that I said there's a link to our T-shirt site, and I want to address that first. For the first time and seemingly forever, and that's my fault because I am lazy, but for the first time and forever, we have a new design up on our T-shirt store, and that is our Absolute T-shirt. Gently, very politely borrowed from AIW, that logo that I've been using in a lot of the show images over the last couple months. Our friend Derek, who does all of our better photoshops took care of designing that logo for us and i know that i had sent that to you probably months ago said hey put this up on the t-shirt site and it wasn't a high enough resolution thing and i didn't want to bother derek but i was like you know what let's have a new shirt to christen the new website and i think everybody who listens to this show and watches aiw is kind of required to buy one you know right just makes sense. Plus, they're on sale right now. They're only sixteen bucks. Uh, I have a bunch of notes that we have to talk about there. <laughs> oh, do we get a cease and desist? No, no. Uh, so it's gonna be. Let's okay. Let's say uh, okay. So I'm not sure if it's me or if it's you, but when I uh, went to the uh, T Public thing, it's defaulting to um euros as opposed to um dollars (laughs) well is the euro strong right now because i might rather the euros okay no when i went to it earlier today after you uploaded the shirt it said dollars so i think you have some kind of vpn on are you trying to watch the original network wwe network i'm not Oh, so. Um, and then the other thing i wanted to mention is is like you know you have the thing there with our latest episode yeah and then there's the hot link that you can click on to go to Add Odds with Wrestling. Okay. Hover over that and make sure you fix it before this episode goes live. <clears throat> well, that isn't something that I did. Okay. Actually, let me see. I'm hovering. It just says longboxheroes.com. And that's where it takes you to. It should take you to... It can't uh, because it's get the RSS feed is coming from Longbox. So okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Because that's where the show is hosted. I wasn't sure if you could get it and do it another way. No, not unless we host all the shows on on at odds. No, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, not interested in that. But <laughs> um, and I guess that leaves us with the only other thing that's on this website that we haven't talked about, and that is that we finally are launching a Patreon, Joe. I twisted your arm hard enough that we're going to get one. Not only that we're going to get one, that we already have one. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see, uh, what you have up your sleeve for this. Uh, do I have to, let me look at some of the, well, let me look at some of the tiers. Yeah, absolutely. While you're doing that, I'm going to go in and rip the bandaid off. And this is the thing that I was saying about how this going forward, maybe you're going to get 80% of the at odds podcast that you know and love. And that is that the flagship show on the at odds, Patreon is going to be show homework. Oh, okay. So what we're going to do is show homework will be on the same exact schedule as it normally is. 
So every week that there's not an AEW or WWE premium live event, we'll still do show homework and it will come out the same day. So it'll come out shortly after the regular podcast goes live on all the regular feeds. But uh, show homework will be released there. We'll still announce on the main show what our homework assignments are. So you can still follow along on MassLibrary.com, read his great write-ups, and you know watch along if you you know if you want without having to necessarily subscribe to the Patreon. But I think you should subscribe to the Patreon and listen to our reviews of you know the Russo list WCW 2000 and my movie recommendations and all that fun stuff. You know. Right. Um, and then I'm looking here under the five dollar thing. It says a monthly pick of Joe. Cause why not? Yeah, Joe, I'm signing up for that. You're. <laughs> oh, I guess you have to take a selfie. You're like the Brian Myers of this Patreon. <laughs> I'd accept if that makes you the broski of the Patreon. I'll take it. Well, I mean, if there was any doubt, you know, that that was going to be the dynamic. Uh, I mean, I'm not ripping open any figures. I'm not doing a let them breathe. That's that's definitely not happening. Right. But uh, the other thing that we are launching on the Patreon in speaking of the majors, uh, this is also borrowed loosely from them. But I have decided that I'm going to go back to the very beginning of At Odds Wrestling and edit together a very snackable, and when I say snackable, I mean like 30 minutes at the most, 30, 35 minutes. I'm going to go back to episode number one and just basically clip out the best stuff from each episode, whether okay. it be the best story that you tell, the best rants, the best bad take, you know, weekly purchases, whatever. Uh, just basically, I'm going to go in there and edit out all my ums and ahs, which make me sound really good, and uh, put them together. And there will be two episodes of that every month, the first and on the 15th. So in addition to show homework, you'll be getting that new show. And that's kind of designed to be like a really quick listen. Like I said, my goal with 30 minutes is to basically force myself to edit it out to the best stuff. And you can listen to it on your way to work. It's not going to be like a three-hour podcast. But you'll yeah, get two of those and, a month. And it's a, a walk down memory lane. I might have peaked at the first episode that uh, is going to be going up. And it's uh, myself, Adam, and Todd uh, from Longbox Heroes discussing all out. Just to give you an idea how long ago it was, right? <laughs> yeah, because our pilot episode of At Odds was an episode of At, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark. That's right. And just as a side note, whatever that issue that was going on on T Public, somehow I got defaulted that my native country was Spain. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got that fixed. You know, yeah, I figured it out. Um, and obviously, the main show will be available on Patreon, as will the, uh, there be an RSS feed. But I, I think the big selling point is going to be the monthly picture, uh, the monthly Joe Sposo <laughs> selfie. Uh, that's going to put some butts in the seats. But. Oh yeah. I do want to stress that the schedule that we're working on, we're going to start releasing content on March 1st. The first episode of Vintage at Odds will be March 1st, and the first episode of Show Homework will be the first Thursday of the month, which is the 2nd. So, uh, so yeah, March 2nd. Um, so, the Patreon is live. Uh, feel free to go and subscribe and pledge. Uh, you won't get anything other than the main show until March, but by all means, you know, support the show. And honestly, that's what this is for. Like, obviously, we're hat in hand. We know that uh, 
but we can't do this without the support of our listeners. So that's why, you know, hopefully a lot of people will do this. But if not, you know, we'll keep making the content for the few that do and thank them, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we want to give you something a little extra for doing this. If you go there, we feel as though uh, the tiers are uh, respectable, affordable. You're getting a lot for your money. Uh, what you're getting there, I did pitch to Adam to put like uh, boutique ones on there, like uh, guided tours of the toy room, uh, <laughs> membership into the Council of Greece group chat, things of that nature. But Adam but said Adam that those said are those, Adam said those are things that he can't put a price on for legal reasons. So that is true. <laughs> and all, a very few, like an exclusive group of people, have actually had a tour of the toy room. You know, as far as right. as far as like people that would be mentioned on the pod. Like obviously Todd has seen it. Brett and DJ have seen it. Uh, Matt Durline from the A show has seen it. Uh, uh, Maddie treats and mass library have seen it, but Joe, even you haven't seen it. You know, I keep volunteering or keep inviting you to come for a tour and you just, you're always busy that day. I don't know what it is. Why well, I, I not, it may not be chocolate and doo-doo, uh, <laughs> but I constantly live with mud and cookies on my hands. So, <laughs> That's why I'm not allowed right. in. That that that's very that's a valid concern. All right, never mind. Right, but yeah. So obviously, go to adoddswrestling.com. Uh, use that Amazon click through. Check out the Patreon, and uh, again, thank everybody for your continuing support. And check out that new, uh, definitely not AIW logo T-shirt. <laughs> inspired, inspired, exactly. an homage, if the if you will, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A loving tribute. Yes. All right. Let's get into the show, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So, this day in wrestling history, there is one thing that I forgot to send in the email to Adam, but that's okay. Uh, I will let the audio of this from This Day in Wrestling History in 1992 speak for itself. You made the Hulk Hogan, and how you said that you were going to show him what a true friend is all about. And you left him in the ring of Saturday Night's Main Event. I guess you did show him just what a friend isn't all about. But then... You know that the friendship that's supposed hey, shut your stinking mouth, because it's simple. I don't care about you or that fat pig Hulk Hogan and your friendship. And I don't care if he has one stinking friend out here either. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to rearrange your face. Oh, man. <laughs> we're like, ah! No, not the window. Not again. They just said that we're placed. Come on, don't get it now! Come on, don't get it! in the red trunks next to me. Blue or black is all I <laughs> So that's that's why I wanted to, oh, the money shot of the Barbasol. <laughs> right. 
so as so this is the end of the barber shop, right? As Sid is cracking it, it's almost uh-huh. over there. But as it's breaking up the stuff in the barber shop, there's a thing of like powder that goes all over the place. So as Sid is ranting and raving, uh, he looks like he just got into uh, the barber's spec trucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for something that happened accidentally, it is a great visual. With oh, yeah. At the end, you know? It's a great visual for this audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're enjoying it. <laughs> right. So this is, you know, Sid had just come into WWF in August of 91, right? Mm-hmm. He ends up missing, like, November, December with an injury. He comes back and does the deal at the Royal Rumble, and they turn him heel, right? Now, the plan had always been that Hogan was going to, like, kind of go out to pasture after Mania in 92. And Vince saw Sid as, like, the next big baby face of the company. And obviously that ends up not working out. But as we'll get into, you know, as we get closer to Mania, uh, uh, WrestleMania 8, with just how tumultuous WWEs at this time, because um, this is when they start really cracking down on, like, drug use. Not just steroids, but, like, everything. That's no fun. (laughs) Uh, And, again, it makes for a less fun uh, time in the world of sports and entertainment. But it's definitely an interesting time in the world of sports and entertainment, right? Yeah. And and would you say, like, for how long – like, how long was the period where either WWE or WCW thought that Hogan was on his last run? Like, I feel like Hogan's last run started in 92 and went to, like, 2002. So they'll tell you. Um, if you go back and you look at the history, when they are like, oh, so Mania 4, when Macho wins the belt, that was so Hogan can go do No Holds Barred. More on that later. Mm-hmm. In 90, when Hogan leaves and they have Warrior win the belt at Mania 6, that was supposed to be Hogan's swan song. Like, they thought Hogan was going to go off to Hollywood and become, like, this huge star, and he was going to be an occasional attraction like Andre rock. Really? Like, well, like Andre was back then, right? Cause sure. Andre was like done, done at mania six and Hogan was going to move into that Andre role where he was just like an occasional character. And then by January of 91, like Hogan's back full time. And by March, he's the champion again. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we have this here in 92 where he goes out to pasture. He's back again in 93. And then he's legitimately gone and goes off to WCW. Yeah. So at least in WWF, there was like three different times where they're like, yeah, Hogan's done. We're wrapping him up. Do you think if it wasn't for the constant misconception that he was going to leave, do you think he would ever have dropped the belt or would he just been like the forever champ for the entire late 80s, early 90s? Um, That's interesting to think about. Um, I definitely think with the right program and the right guy and the right set of circumstances, he would, you know, mm-hmm. Um. I think if it was a different world, they probably could have convinced Hogan to do like a quickie switch in like 85, 86 with a heel Piper just to see how that would look. But things with Hogan, it was just one of those things that up until like 87 until early 88, things were running like too good with Hogan as the champion. Like why change it? Like why roll those dice? And that was one of those things where it's like, okay, the plan always was Macho's going to win the belt in 88. Hogan's going to get it back in 89 when he comes back from doing the movie. And then when Hogan leaves in 90, if the Warrior house show programs did good money, 
they wouldn't have brought Hogan back. Mm. If and then in ninety one, if there wasn't so many like ninety one into ninety two, if there weren't so many people hurt and getting popped for drugs and everything else like that, they had nobody else planned. Like the idea was gonna be Ric Flair like so Flair gets the belt. Um so wait, no, ninety one. Right, so Hogan's the champion. They do the thing where they switch it off Undertaker. Going into 92, Flair has the belt. And then it was supposed to be Flair and Warrior over summer of 92. And then, of course, everything that happens there. But the main problem that Hogan kept coming back was they had no one to replace him. They were building up nobody to replace him. Plus, it wasn't like he was taking Hollywood by storm. And that that, <laughs> that as well, right. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure he was happy to come back, Uh, but he probably didn't spin it that way to Vince. You know, he was like, oh, man, they're beating down my door. (laughs) Better better give me money or I'm going to leave. Yeah, he he was pitching things that he was going to do stuff with like Disney. And that's when Disney was kind of like in the doldrums as well. So like there may have been a chance that he was. But when you think like Hulk Hogan in 1991-92 saying, yeah, I got to deal with Disney, brother. It's not the Disney of today, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's the Disney that was practically bankrupt. Right. Uh, but anyway, other this day in wrestling history, of course, we have our head-to-head, Raw and Nitro 1998. Uh, it's the go-home show for In Your House, No Way Out of Texas. Okay. Um, we have the build-up to the eight-man of DX, Sean and Hunter, and the New Age Outlaws taking on Owen Hart. Stone Cold, Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie. Um, and uh, so this show is kind of like, a, sadly, like a nothing show. Um, like your last match match is Thrasher versus Goldust on the show. And there's like a big cl- show closing angle with all the eight people that are in that main event. Um, and they never reveal that Sean is like, Sean hasn't wrestled on TV since... Uh, Royal Rumble because he is hurt and they're trying to protect him going into WrestleMania so they can have a WrestleMania, right? Yeah, from the casket bump, right? Right. But so the show is full of like Russo nonsense in the middle of a Truth Commission Steve Blackman match. The <laughs> jackal is lowered from the ceiling on a pulpit, cutting a promo on the fans during the show. <laughs> uh, the Sounds new awesome. age. Yeah, the New Age Outlaws reenact the dumpster thing from the week prior with blow-up dolls dressed like Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. All right, that sounds Russo. Right. Um, And this also is the last time that we'll be seeing Ahmed Johnson in the World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it was the next set of TV. He wasn't on the pay-per-view. The next set of TVs is where they pitch to him losing clean to Kurgan, and he refuses, so they're like, okay, you can just go home. (laughs) <laughs> he went home to get more knee and elbow pads. Yes. You know? <laughs> He's going to go get more and then come. And then maybe once Vince sees what he looks like, then maybe he won't have him lose to Kurgan. Yeah. Ahmed was like one of those guys, man. Like he was, I, so, somebody had put up the clip and it was 96. It was after Hall and Nash had left. NWO just hit and it's super hot. And the top three baby faces going into the summer of 1996 pre Hogan reveal on the NWO, right? Mm-hmm. Is Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and the ultimate warrior. And I got to thinking if Hall and Nash as Razor and Diesel don't leave, that's probably them. 
it's probably as the baby, top baby faces. You mean as the top three baby faces? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were. Uh, never mind. I'm like Sh- Shawn Michaels and Ahmed are going to be in the NWO. No. 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 But like, yeah, what a weird like grouping of people, and they were called the People's Posse. <laughs> right, yeah. and nobody remembers that because nobody remembers '96 WWF because it sucked. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Ahmed, Sean, and Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> well, one of them's pretty cool. Yeah, Warrior. <laughs> um. But over on Nitro, okay, yet another three-hour Nitro, so it's jammed up with stuff. The main angle is all this dissension in the NWO, which leads to the NWO Wolfpack. And I'll be honest with you, like, I was casually watching WCW. I was certainly a WWF guy. I remember, like, all the lower card stuff, like the Eddie Guerrero stuff, the Jericho stuff, you know, that sort of stuff. Raven, of course. But, like, this main event angle of the NWO stuff, I have no memory of. So when I'm doing the research, it's, like, all new stuff to me. Yeah, I was watching weekly still at this time. Like, I, I didn't stop until probably WCW 2000. Mm-hmm. That's when I, like, I was in college and I was like, I had no interest in it. So uh, I, I got bits and pieces. But yeah, the, the formation of the Wolfpack, I mean, I'm not going to be able to recite the storyline beat by beat, but it should all ring a bell. Mm-hmm. I, I know it comes up in the next, like, month or two um, where, like, they, but. It's so weird, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But uh, this Nitro is a very memorable Nitro, but not for the reasons that, like, they would want it to be, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the match list, so after Starcade, um, Goldberg was kind of sort of like a heel, right? But the Nitro yep. after Starcade, he essentially becomes the Goldberg that we all know and love. Like, the previous, like, three or four months don't really count like they count for wins but like this is when he's just going out there and like squashing dudes on tv in like 60 seconds right okay until this week now i'm not going to play the whole match because this week he's taking on steven regal oh have you ever seen this match do you remember this match i'm sure i saw it live but i I have no recollection of what happens i'm sure it's gonna be great experience so, over Goldberg. He's wrestled all over the world. Held many championships. Goldberg's over. Listen to yeah. these people. Will Regal be the man to stop the winning streak of the undefeated Bill Goldberg? Ooh, you, you see that kick? Down. Ooh, that's... <laughs> so, like, European not selling. And I don't know, that may have just got Goldberg a little bit more angry than he usually is. Regal trying to wrestle the man. Stepping on the back of the leg to drive him down, but Goldberg comes back. Regal's going to make him cooperate. Okay. So this is already longer than any match that Goldberg has had in the last three months. Regal to try and out-wrestle Goldberg. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of them were just spear, jackhammer, dunk. Yeah, and the bell would ring, he'd run right over his arms. And this match goes on for another four minutes. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we're not and so waist lock that time by Regal. Okay. Great takedown by Goldberg. Oh, look at that ultimate technician. Goldberg showing the world as well, Brian. Grabbing the horse. There's no doubt about that. I just want to get one more exchange here, and then we're going to kind of go away from this. All right. He certainly has uh, been a man on a mission. Regal looks like he's like generally chopped to grab him. You can see that Goldberg certainly respects Regal. Very cautious to this point. 
and that's a smart thing to do. So we're seeing that Goldberg not only is a killer, is a monster, but also going for the leg. Goldberg's not cooperating at all. Knowing who he's going up against, Regal. Let me tell you, Tony Regal doesn't know what to do. Okay, Regal's like he gave him the arm. Regal looks perplexed at this point. Rolls him up and to the bottom rope goes. Regal, Regal doesn't even give him. Oh, one. you see that little that? like Regal he gave him like two little shots the there out of the pit, right? Yeah. Now that's gonna make you see Goldberg's like. Would you expect anything less from Regal? Well, Regal wants him to make a mistake. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know if I want this guy to make a mistake on my body. Starting to chase Goldberg. Let's see. Oh. And Regal in a side headlock takedown. Goldberg. Quickly stuffs him off into a side head scissor. Okay, so like I said, we're not going to go through the whole match, right? But yeah. um, Regal tells the story that the agent for the match told Regal to go out there and make it competitive. Show okay. the people that Goldberg can do more than just these quick quick squashes, right? And like, we trust you to do this and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So they go out there and they have this match. And Regal comes back and Bischoff is pissed. Goldberg is pissed. They think they're shooting. He's shooting on him, right? Mm-hmm. And Regal's like, I'm just doing what the agent told me to do in the match. He told me to go out there and make it competitive. So that's what I did, right? Yeah. Goldberg's like, well, that's not what they told me. Bischoff's like, that's not what the plan was. Let's go get the agent. And Regal never says who the agent was. But at this time, the agents were either like Mike Graham, Arn Anderson, or Terry Taylor. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those three, Regal never, nobody ever names who the agent is, but the agent completely sells Regal down the river and says, I never said that, right? So Regal gets fired the next, like Regal is like fired the next day because of this. Okay. Bischoff claims it wasn't because of this, but he claims that his contract was up just normally and they decided not to renew it. But Regal ends up coming on to WWE within the next like month or two as a reals man man or the real <laughs> man's man. He's a man, right. such a man. <laughs> one of the classic theme songs of all time. But yes, yeah. that Goldberg match with Regal is like one of the all timers, man. You know what? Kind of related, unrelated, but you're not going to believe this. I was watching a YouTube like video breaking down the Paul Roma versus Alex Wright match. That yeah, was I saw that. Facility. I saw that making the rounds last week. Sure, sure. Yeah, I was watching and it was just some guy narrating it and kind of pointing out spots and like telling it had that little bits from Roma and Alex Wright on there. But I was like, I, I'm sure I saw that match 30 years ago, but I was like, oh, I didn't know that this was Roma being an asshole and not cooperating. But it's a similar situation because Alex Wright was supposed to just look good and, you know, Roma was not cooperating. But... You know, look at me doing extra work. So if and if it's out there and we're talking about it. um, So you remember when Alex Wright becomes Berlin? Yeah. So I can't remember what pay-per-view it was, but he's supposed to fight Buff on a pay-per-view. Okay. All right. As Berlin. Buff doesn't want to do the job because that's the plan. You're going to put the new character over. Okay. Mm hmm. So Buff doesn't want to do the job, and it's 99-2000 WCW. Let's say it's 99-WCW, right? So they're like, okay, we're not going to punish Buff, but we're going to put somebody else in the match, okay? Mm-hmm. They put Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the match. Now, <laughs> about a month or so ago on this very podcast, I defended Hacksaw Jim Duggan, okay? <laughs> yeah. 
on this night, I do not defend Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> because Hacksaw Jim Duggan goes out there and does not cooperate whatsoever with Alex Wright as Berlin and makes him look like shit. Poor Alex Wright. Land. Like, where would he be now? Maybe not now, as he'd be retired, most likely. But where would his career have gone if all these people fucking didn't keep big-timing him? <laughs> I, like, imagine you're in a company, and you get one time where someone comes in and big-times you, right? Yeah. And you're like, okay, that'll never happen to me again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it happens again in the same company. Yeah, and, and like, guys not wanting to wrestle you because they don't want to do the job. and Yeah. He's just a pretty little German boy. There's nothing wrong with him. <laughs> well, as Berlin, he was an evil German man, but I get you. Yeah, I mean, behind the scenes, whatever. But, yeah, it's fast. It's pretty funny. All right. So that's enough of the history stuff. Let's get into more recent stuff. What would you like to talk about from the last week here, sir? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, pretty much everything I'm going to talk about is uh, focusing on the E and not uh, the AEW. But All right. I'm going to start things off, and this is kind of like a twofer. Because I just want to cover them both as if they were one thing. And I'm going to do them a little bit in reverse. And I want to just start with Monday Night Raw. We had, as you put it, a liar's convention in town. And there was a promo between Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman. And I actually really enjoyed that promo. I don't think I've liked a Cody Rhodes promo yet. But I did enjoy that one. Because Cody makes reference to Paul Lee bringing in his dad. And, you know, and... Whether it was legitimate or not, Paul Lee is, you know, uh, he's crying on the out there. Uh, but my favorite line from that was when Paul Lee says that Cody was Dusty's favorite son, but Roman was the son he always wanted. And I thought that was a great dig at the end of that promo. But before we kind of address that, I want to go back to Friday Night Smackdown when Roman is cutting a promo. Sami Zayn comes in from the crowd in a hoodie to a ginormous pop that I thought would not be like surpassed in WWE. But I was surprised when a minute or two later, he got an even bigger pop when he landed a spear on Roman. And I thought to myself, Cody Rhodes has not and will not ever get the pop that Sami Zayn got twice on SmackDown this week. So uh, the road to WrestleMania is uh, shaping up, and unfortunately, Sammy is just going to wrestle at Elimination Chamber. But I just thought that those two segments were very interesting from WWE this week. Um, yeah, I like the Sammy Roman stuff uh, from SmackDown. Uh, sadly, no LA Knight on SmackDown, so a must skip of a show. <laughs> How can you miss him if he doesn't go away? That's right. And uh, Cody did get j- almost as big as a pop as Sammy Zayn did by mentioning Sammy's name on Monday Night Raw this past week. Um, Now, I will say that I am in the bit of the minority uh, that I did not like that Cody-Paul Heyman segment from Monday Night Raw this past week. That's because you're a jaded old man. I am a jaded old man. (laughs) Adam. Yes. Did you know that Cody Rhodes' father was the American Dream Dusty Rhodes? When did this happen? I know. Because <laughs> um, they mentioned it quite a bit uh, in uh, this recently, promo. Yeah. Uh, obviously. And, and it's if he's not mentioning his dad, he's he's the other option is, is mentioning his dad while he's biting his lip and looking up into the lights to start crying. That's his right. other gear. <laughs> right. 
And listen, I was the first one to say, man, that night after WrestleMania last year and Cody comes out and cuts that promo and it was the same material. So why is it okay April of 2022 and it's not okay in February 2023 is because it's been 10 months and it's the same promo. Yeah. And I I was going to say, and Paulie's a great promo too, man. Paulie's another guy who just kind of regurgitates the same material over and over and over again. And I get it's WWE and a lot of stuff is, I think Paul and Cody could kind of get away with a little bit more than your typical scripted folks. See uh, Damian Priest going off script uh, earlier on Monday Night Raw and how well that went for him. Shout out to you, DJ, your boy. Um, (laughs) But Paul rests on his same laurels because so much of WWE is those bits and the and your cadence and the way that you cut a promo to give the fans that opportunity to react that it doesn't sound natural of how people speak. And I get sometimes when you cut a promo, but there's no fire, there's no passion, there's no feeling in what Cody and Paul are saying, they're just saying things in the hopes of eliciting a feel, a feeling from the crowd, and their crowd does get a feeling from it. But it's been ten months, Cody. We've been cutting the same promo. You know, we're three weeks in a row where he comes out and he starts the promo with. So, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in. The, I, I'm one of the people that I don't care if Paul Heyman does pretty much the same paint-by-numbers promo over and over again. I I enjoy him every time, so I'm a hypocrite in that sense because it's equally as frustrating when Cody does it, but Cody hasn't built up goodwill with me like Paul Heyman has. I guess that's the the difference, but I thought the pair of them was interesting. And We'll see how interesting it is over the next couple weeks when Roman doesn't show up on Raw and it's just these two carrying the load of the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm sure the Usos, well, one of the Usos will be there, and Solo. Somebody else will do some work. Maybe. Maybe. What do you got, Joe? Uh, I'll save my big one for last, because I got AEW stuff. Okay. Um, So I didn't get a chance to watch AEW Live last night. I was out with uh, my family, doing like a Wednesday night thing, getting out of the house. I wasn't home until almost like 8.30 and as I saw, like, the time was ticking, I'm like, okay, we're going to just delete Twitter. I'm going to ignore it and not be on Twitter until I get a chance to see AEW. I don't want nothing spoiled for me, right? Mm. Um, and then I see stuff popping up in the morning. Like, the show ended at 10 o'clock uh, at night. And I didn't get a chance to watch until, like, 8 o'clock this morning. And it's been 10 hours. And people were like upset and mad and posting things of like, I can't believe AEW did this tag team so dirty by having the guns win the tag titles tonight on, on AEW. And people were upset. People were fuming. I can't believe AEW did this. This is the worst thing that's ever happened in wrestling. And I'm like, was the match shitty? I go, did the guns come out and squash them? Did Billy turn? Like, what happened? And I go and I watch the match, and they do the bit where Billy's like, I'm going to stay in the back, and I'm going to be impartial. And there's the ref bump in the match. And they cheated to win a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And it was a very indecisive victory. And even on commentary, they told us, 
that this isn't over yet between the guns and the acclaimed. There's like just the middle of the story. And I'm like, oh, this is a wrestling story that people are upset about. Oh, that's what it is. People <laughs> work themselves into a shoot over a tag title match involving Billy Gunn's kids. <laughs> and I guess it's great that wrestling is able to invoke that sort of emotion in people. But like people are like, how come Santana Ortiz never got a tag title thing? They got to wrestle the Young Bucks on TV and then nothing ever happened. And what about Private Party? They get the win over the Young Bucks on TV and then nothing ever happens with them. Now, between me and you, it's kind of because uh, once you're touched by the Young Bucks, you're pretty much damaged goods and they can do nothing with you. That being neither here nor there, um, this is like chapter two of like a two or three part storyline. Yeah. And the match was fine, and it's not like the guns came out and squashed the acclaimed and made them look like assholes or, like, worthless. They cheated a bunch. And they played mind games with their equalizer, Daddy Ass, so that threw him off of his game. And the heels outsmarted the baby faces. Now, I could come, we can come back and, like, the acclaimed never get a title shot, and the acclaimed just go back down to dark and they never come close within a sniff of being tag title contenders. And I'll come on here and I'll say, I was wrong, guys. Listen, Tony Khan worked me, you know. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. No. I-, I agree with you. I'm kind of surprised but not surprised at the reaction to it. Like, it's one thing. Like, when I was watching it, I had my suspicions that maybe the guns would win. But when Billy didn't turn... I immediately was like, oh, okay, the guns aren't winning. So it was like I was triple swerved, and I enjoyed that. You know, as a spectator, I was like, okay, this is enjoyable in that I didn't see it coming, at least from the direction it came in. And I agree with you. The fact that it was a a match that the guns had to cheat multiple times to win, you know, that doesn't mean that the acclaimed are dead. And I get that I was probably the first person months ago to complain that the acclaimed didn't beat Swerve in our glory because I was like, oh, it's their time. But the acclaimed had a had a very good first run as champions. They sold a lot of merch, and it's time to have them chase for a little bit. And uh, I agree with you. If, if all of a sudden the acclaimed is just jobbed out, eh, that's not so good. But having the guns win that, I thought that was awesome. And it, the fact that it was very unpredictable. We've said many times on the show that one of the worst things about watching wrestling sometimes is when there's a title match and you know that somebody's not going to win. And this is one of those that flew in the face of that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. And the fact that, uh, you know, it was the main event and I don't know. I, I have no problem with the guns as champions. It's not like they're these kids that just came out of nowhere. They started the exact same time as the acclaimed, you know? Exactly. They were... They were all there at those pandemic shows at dailies when they were all like nobodies. So right. it's and fine. S- and sometimes stars need to lose to make new stars. Yeah. And they always say that there's more money in a baby face chasing the belt. Yep. So I have no problem with that. Uh, I still think, and I tweeted this out, that Billy Gunn needs to follow the tag titles kind of like, like late 90s Sonny. <laughs> you know? But anyways, uh... My other thing, sticking with the land of the E, is, Joe, I was lied to. Uh, our friend, Young Ed, for whatever reason, his new bit is that he now watches NXT in addition to Impact. 
and I asked him if Stevie Turner was on this week's NXT, and while he didn't apply, uh, reply, that dastardly Jay Gold replied that, yes, Stevie Turner was on NXT. So I watched NXT. She wasn't on it, so I feel bamboozled there. But I kept watching the show because the main event of the show was an episode of Ding Dong Hello, hosted by Bailey, with Toxic Attraction on there. And people tell me that I guess Toxic Attraction was breaking up. There was a not a takeover, but like a Vengeance Day or something show this past weekend. Yeah, there was. Complete news to me. I did not know about this. Uh, they should have called it Takeover. I might have watched out of loyalty. But I guess both members of Toxic Attraction were in a three-way with Roxy. And now they're kind of feuding. And so they go on the Ding Dong Hello show. And the promo basically starts off with them taking shots at each other. Like, oh, I hate you. I hate you, too. You're a whore. You're a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. And then on a dime, it turns to, you know what? We're kind of better off together. Yeah, you're right. There's strength in numbers. Yeah, toxic attraction forever. And it was like, okay, that was a weird turn. And neither one of these ladies currently has the acting chops to pull any of this off. Uh, but then... Bailey does the ladies and gentlemen toxic attraction. I was, and then my antennas go off, Joe. I was like, we've been here before and we get the super kick uh, to the shoulder. But I like the efforts of JC Jane kicking uh, Gigi Dolan uh, and then attempting to throw Gigi's head through the door of the set. And that door did not want to cooperate. Um, and I guess JC Jane being the consummate professional decided to improvise and just murder Gigi Dolan by kicking her full force in the head. Uh, it was a great segment. And I think JC Jane needs to be in the Blackpool combat club. now. <laughs> the way she stiffed her. Well, I want to play the clip because they had yes. alternate commentary for it. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't, but go ahead. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the happy couple, Toxic Attraction. Well, looks like all is well between Toxic Attraction, Brain. They need each other. Like you need a dozen donuts every day. Don't start. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, still partners, still friends, still codependent, still useless without the other. Brain, I'm going to knock you. Whoa! That's disgusting. That's uncalled for. It's brilliant, Monsoon. JC never needed Gigi. I've always said that. Oh, get a life. Listen, Monsoon, she's saying it was never about us. Sounds like your wedding day. Oh, no. Wow. Right into the door. I don't believe it. <laughs> I hear you knocking, but you can't come in, huh, Monsoon? JC Jane attacking Gigi. What a creep she turned out to be. I like her. Always have. Well, you're a piece of shit. That was, that, that was on my feed that I had of uh, NXT this week. Oh, man, I got to get that the, the feed where Bobby and Gorilla <laughs> call NXT. Yes, uh, follow the great Joe Murata on Twitter. Uh, he had helped us out with some audio issues a while ago. He's having fun with uh, those AI audio programs that are out there. Uh, but anyway, um, I learned who uh, JC Jane was this week. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I always knew Toxic Attraction was uh, Priscilla Kelly. I can never remember her new fake name. Gigi uh, Mandy Rose and the other one. Yeah. And now that they turned her heel, um, I know her name. Still don't care about either one. Um, <laughs> but good on them for trying something. And I'm sad. Like, Adam, I know you sometimes run on a different Twitter than I do. 
Yes. Um, and I know anytime, God forbid, something happens in AEW, like uh, a couple weeks ago when Danielson and Takeshita had that match, and uh, Takeshita has that spot that he does in every single one of his matches where he kind of flips the guy Dinah almost into a code red and then, like, kind of sits out with it, you know? Yep. And uh, they did that spot that Takeshita does in every single one of his matches, and all the safety police people are like, oh, my God, what a botch this was. I can't believe how unsafe these guys are. I can't believe they would do this. AEW's the worst. How dare they do this to, in wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't see any of those people say that about this very clearly very unsafe spot of J.C. Jane essentially just stepping on full force Gigi Dolan's head. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I watched it, like, obviously I cringed, and then, then I saw she didn't die from it, and then I I, I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I guess it's two different types of wrestling fans. I guess. Yeah. And, oh, I and, and unrelated. So, again, I just think it's, uh, you know, the double standard, of course, that everyone holds whatever, whatever, too, right? Yeah. Um, I do want to show you this. I should be able to find it because it was relatively recently. Okay. I want to show you this GIF, okay? Okay. And I want your reaction to it. All right. I think I saw this. Okay. The sit down pile, uh, sit down tombstone. Ah! Oh, oh I, I saw somebody tweet that yesterday or today. And man, that makes, that makes what happened with Owen and, and Austin look like a pillow fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Where's, where are the safety police and wherever that was? <laughs> Uh, that would have been uh, 1983 All Japan Women. So <laughs> most of them weren't even born yet. Yeah, and, and wrestling didn't exist back then. So Adam, I, I don't want to go on a full rant here. You know, um, I feel I, I have a full rant in me, uh, but today's been a real mean day, uh, <laughs> according to the DMs at least, um, and the texts and everything else. Um, I'll just say this. Um, that MJF promo on AEW this past week was real bad. <laughs> like, yeah. bad, bad, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's bad in a way that I'm mad at the heel for doing this thing, but like, whoever approved that verbiage, whoever allowed that to go out on TV should be ashamed of themselves. And listen, I'm no prude by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, I get that the new idea is for MJF to get over as a heel by being an edgelord, but little do they realize that so many wrestling fans themselves are edgelords. Imagine how awesome Dynamite would have been if uh, MJF comes out and wrestles that match with Takeshita, which was awesome. I thought it was a great match. Mm. Um, And then they do the bit where they lock the door on Danielson so he can't come out. And then MJF comes out and he tries to make Aubrey give Danielson the 10 count. And then Danielson comes out and has the match. And then after the match, after Danielson's bloodied and beaten after the match with Roosh, which was an awesome match. And then Danielson goes and lays Dan, uh, Dan, or MJF goes and lays Danielson out after the match. OK, that would have been sounds enough. Good. Yep. Sounds great. But now you throw that weird promo in there. And, like, everyone's seen it, everyone's heard it. Again, I don't really, like, I've already given it too much time, and it was really weird, too, because they do the promo after the whole episode of Taz, like, oh, MJF's my guy, I love MJF, oh, Rocket Buster, you know? And then they do that promo, and Taz is like, 
oh, I guess maybe you guys are right. Taz is, or uh, MJF is a scumbag. <laughs> and then MJF comes out for commentary, and they just completely ignore the promo. Like it never happened, right? Yeah, I feel like this is the second week in a row with a, a, a MJF promo that it was in the wrong spot or not acknowledged, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's a production issue or whatever it is. And then Brian Alvarez goes on Wrestling Observer uh, live today and claims, I say claims, that uh, there were dozens if not hundreds of people who called in to the uh, Long Island Police Department to file a police report against (laughs) MJF for the crime that he admitted to on national television. Now, when I saw that clip of Brian saying that, I said to myself, self, and a couple other people, did this really happen? Absolutely not. Was Brian told to say this? Absolutely. And then somebody, I can't remember the guy's name, he's some reporter who does wrestling stuff for ESPN, and again, I do want to give him credit. Um, what the hell is the guy's name? Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Ramondi? Okay. Okay, he comes out and he says, not to break kayfabe, but I contacted the Nassau County PD and the reports that hundreds of people have called about the MJF promo from AEW doesn't seem to be true. Uh, The public information officer didn't know what I was talking about and said such calls would go to his office. (laughs) So So, who's spreading this? Well, again... There's definitely stuff that gets fed to the observer by people in AEW and, you know, AEW and like observer could just be playing along. But when you're supposed to be the news source in professional wrestling, you can't play along with the big promotions. You need to report the news as it is. And I think it just makes everyone look bad. All parties involved. The more that you play along with it, I guess, the better. And listen, Mm -hmm. I'll be the first one to say, you know, this week. Uh, for the poors, like myself, the AEW interviews with Mark Marin came out, and there was a whole deal with Eddie Kingston claiming that, like, he wasn't allowed to say those things about MJF, and he had to, like, he got an email from the HR department, and then whatever Eddie was saying, and I'll say that's part of the storyline, right? Um, <laughs> But there's stuff that when Eddie Kingston does it, and I'm, I admit I'm very biased. But there's stuff that when Eddie Kingston does it, you believe it. And there's stuff when MJF does it, you don't believe it. And God bless you if you do, man. God <laughs> bless it if you take what uh, MJF says and does on TV and on Twitter and on social media as real. But when he plays this game where, like, I'm my character all the time, except when I'm going to defend my friend who lost his job at WWE because an old picture of him surfaced with a Hitler mustache. And it happened a year and a half ago, but I'm just coming out to defend him now. Like, what's the character and what's the real person? When you've blurred the line, do you even know who that is anymore? Hmm. So I'm almost at the point where let's see how that next, because Danielson's carrying the feud with MJF, for my interests at least, right? Absolutely. And he's carrying it by having great matches with yeah. JF. <laughs> And he's also carrying it by giving great promos and being a great character. You know, I, I've said here for many, 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 many episodes of this show, and I've said for many years, 
privately of all these people that like, oh, Danielson was never able to cut a promo until we went to WWF. Go look at shit that he was doing in Ring of Honor in 2005, 2006, 2007, before he's even looked at by WWF. He was amazing at promos. He just got better at blending in that sports entertainment style with the way that he's always cut a promo. And he doesn't make up stories. He doesn't make up lies. He doesn't, like, talk about getting a blowjob while driving his car. You know what I mean? But that's the thing. If Danielson did cut that promo, I'd believe him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's an air of realism to these guys where there's no air of realism to anything that MJF says or does. Fantastic wrestler inside the ring. I thought the match with Takeshita was great. And when he wants to, he could have great matches. The problem is the character that he portrays and the position that he's in in the AEW, he doesn't want to have great matches. Hmm. So I'm torn. We're going to see what the next feud is after the Danielson feud, because if it ain't Eddie Kingston, I ain't going to have much interest in anything that MJF is saying or doing. Yeah. If I can go back kind of a couple things that you talked about, let's address the fact that they just need to get rid of the Eliminator match because it's bullshit. The fact that you can now, with the elimination of the rankings, you can have anybody have a title match. If nobody is ever going to win an Elimination match or Eliminator match, there's no point. Just say, hey, you know what? Per Tony Khan, Takeshita is getting a title shot at MJF. And then if MJF wins, okay, that's fine. But you have all these eliminator matches, and the challenger never wins. And it's getting to the point where it's so predictable. Are they waiting until there's like a hundred of them out of the way so they can have like the one person who finally wins one? Like it's the reverse version of cashing in the money in the bank and not winning the belt. You know, it's getting redundant at that point. So I'm sick of that. Um, And as far as the MJF thing, we've established that less is more with Max, and that promo was definitely way too long, and as you said, a a silly story that really is not believable, and if anybody thought, and I don't think there really was anybody, I think that's just all, like you said, people feeding stories to the dirt sheets, if anybody heard that story and actually thought any of it was true, other than the fact that he has a Camaro or had a Camaro, like, shame on you for being that dumb. And uh, lastly, I'll just say, like, what are you bragging about? That was a fucking 2010 V6 Camaro with an RS package. That's barely a $30,000 car, you fucking poor. Like, that's that's nothing. I had that. Please, if you have a V6 Camaro, you shouldn't even be taking pictures of it, let alone, like, bragging about it. Now, a V8 SS commemorative series where there's only a hundred of them on the planet. Like that's a car you should be proud of, but not a V six. Come on. Now it's a defend MJF. It was the car. His mommy and daddy bought for him. <laughs> How is that defending him? Mommy and know. daddy are to... supposed to be filthy rich. They should have bought him a V eight. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess he's a poor, um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, plus, good for, plus that good, picture good for MJF. Gives, yeah, that picture gives off. You know the episode of Seinfeld where George is the bad boy and he mm-hmm. takes his dad's car and he's got the Yankees jacket on. That's the vibe I got from that MJF picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a theater kid who thought that if he gets a cool muscle car but doesn't know what the cool muscle car is. <laughs> yeah, it all fits, you know. Yeah. So. Bless his little heart. But yeah. That's all I have. And I'll just I'll just throw this one last one out here. I noticed a lot of the uh, died in the wool MJF defenders 
were very quiet last night. Like the real ones, not the the people that go searching MJF out and they're going to fight on MJF's behalf. The people that are, I think, uh, a little bit more tuned in, maybe have a direct line to MJF. Um, and they weren't bragging about uh, this. And I'll, I'll take a line from somebody else uh, in regards to even storyline. He claims that there was a uh, an uh, and he he uh, falsified a police report and uh, an alleged uh, vehicular manslaughter, almost a vehicular manslaughter. Um, somebody else pointed out to me storyline wise, um, Max Caster made a joke about the Duke lacrosse team, and he got fined, suspended, and had to go to sensitivity training. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the repercussions of MJF saying this on TV are going to be. I'm going to guess nothing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't see there. Maybe a, hey, don't do it again. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. And maybe he'll only get two segments on the next Dynamite instead of three. Right. That'll, that'll show him. <laughs> Anything else from last week? No, that's it. That's it for me. All right. Let's get into the homework that Adam assigned. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So, Adam assigned to me for this week the 1989 film classic, (laughs) first starring role, name above the credits, name above the title, picture on the poster for Hulk Hogan, why have a regular homework segment, Adam, when you could have a no holds barred homework segment (laughs) so if you did not get a chance to watch no holds barred you can go over to our friend kevin's website masslibrary.com and uh you can read his very lengthy very in-depth review and uh think piece on this film um now adam when we talked about ready to rumble uh, a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. i had postulated the question is Ready to Rumble a good, bad movie, or is it a bad, bad movie? Okay. And I came down and I said that Ready to Rumble is a good, bad movie. It is absolutely a bad movie, poor in quality, poor in story, uh, poor in pretty much every aspect in filmmaking. But it's an <laughs> enjoyable, fun-filled romp. Yeah. And I ask you, Adam, is No Holds Barred a good bad movie or is it a bad bad movie so i I definitely have an opinion on this but i think we should talk about the show before i give our verdicts all right because i will say adam it is neither one of those things oh it's a third option okay it's a third option and i will just uh, say oh before you get going into the show self um my method for doing homework whether i assign it or uh am having it assigned to me is usually especially since i'm now working from home we can say (laughs) i'll watch the homework on wednesdays and then when i'm done with the homework i will go and read kevin's write-up 
And it always bugs me when there's overlap because I take notes first, you know, obviously of what I want to talk about on the show. And I get my bits in and all that stuff. But I always read Kevin's after the fact. And then he makes a lot of the same jokes that I was going to make. And then I right. feel like people will think I'm plagiarizing him. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Sometimes we have overlap on our opinions. Sometimes we do too. But sometimes I notice there's stuff that um, Kevin leaves out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I didn't want to just distract you. You were saying. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say this, I'm not going to give you a full recap of the plot of this movie, okay? Mm. Um, it's however many years it's been, the movie's 35 years old, you know what the story of No Holds Barred is, right? Mm. But we're going to talk about some of my favorite bits, and some of my least favorite bits, right? Okay. Um, so we get our opening contest of the movie, it starts off with Rip, who's just named Rip, no last name, no anything else like that. Uh, played by Hulk Hogan, very clearly uh, the analog for the Hulk Hogan character. Uh, and he is taking on, he's defending his title against top contender, Jake Bullet. Yep. <laughs> now, now, did you recognize who Jake Bullet was immediately, or did you know going in? I did not know until I read it in the Kevin's write-up. Okay, because this is one of those things that I knew from way back in the day, but obviously seeing it, it's very clearly... Bill Eady demolition acts, right? Yep. Very clearly. And uh, Kevin pointed out in his review, of course, how wrestling is always filmed weird for movies. My biggest problem with the way that this match was filmed, because uh, it was filmed at a it was filmed at a TV taping. Um, but the fact that the camera shots that they were choosing to use showed so many empty seats. So many empty seats. You're shooting for coverage. This is a multi-million dollar motion picture. Mm -hmm. You could shoot for coverage and move people around. So that or you're you not just... doing full segments of Jake Bullet and Rip fighting back and forth in front of a 70% empty crowd. Yeah, I mean, or you yell cut and be like, all right, guys, we're going to do this from the other side of the ring so that we can get the crowd in the shot. Unless some like or or maybe you know this when they actually had the filming of this, since they are doing it in front of, you know, a couple thousand legitimate WWE fans and this was the era of kayfabe, did they go out and have a match or did they treat it like, all right, line up for shot number one. All right, cut. All right, let's line up for shot number two. You know, that's a something I'm curious about since it's not a controlled set that I don't remember. Because it would be interesting if it was like, okay, Hogan and uh, Demolition Guy go out and just have a match where they have to obviously act like professional wrestlers because you don't want to expose the business in front of uh, all these thousands of fans. Mm -hmm. Very curious about that. Okay. Um, I, I just want to say that my question is if you're going to use the WWF IP, the Winged Eagle, Jesse Ventura – Mean Gene and Zeus, who is soon to be introduced or was just recently introduced in the WWF as Zeus. Why not just have Hulk Hogan be the star of this as Hulk Hogan? That's not like that's a great question. They didn't never did like, oh, we need to get more merchandising because we're going to put, you know, rip figures and T-shirts and posters because the best of my knowledge, there really was no merch for this movie. 
Right, and so that's what you would think is, is like, oh, well, we'll have these two separate characters that the Hulkster can play. And we'll sell Rip shirts, and we'll sh- sell Hulk shirts, and we could, like, essentially double dip on Hulk Hogan merchandise. Yeah, and that never happened. That so. never happened. And if you believe the rumor and innuendo at the time, now Bruce Pritchard denies that this was ever the plan, but the plan was going to be with the filming of this movie, the theatrical release of this movie, um, that the WrestleMania six main event was supposed to be Hogan versus Zeus in a singles match for the title. Okay. And obviously Zeus debuts on TV as a character, I think like over the summer of 89, like late June, early July. And then he's wrapped up by December. Yeah, I actually did some. I did a journalism on this. Oh, because, because after I was done watching the movie, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to watch the the match. You know, I'm going to watch Zeus and WWE. And I said to myself, hmm, I'm pretty sure it was SummerSlam '89. But let me double check. And I jumped on Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling news and information, and. I saw the write-up about the match, the movie, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Which SummerSlam did this happen at? And I was like, no, this wasn't at SummerSlam. This was a pay-per-view event of a a specific match that was filmed just to coincide with the movie. And I did it. I was today years old when I realized that what I thought was one match was actually two. Like, I knew about the SummerSlam tag match, but I did not know there was a completely different tag match that goes with the match and movie. Yeah, they did it as like uh, it was the movie's pay-per-view debut. And for the cost of like like a little bit of an upcharge on a movie, you get the match. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. And then I went looking. And unfortunately, that special was not available on the cock. And by that point, I was like, all right, I'm not interested anymore. But okay. uh, like I said, I was today years old when I realized that there were two Zeus matches in WWE. There's actually a third because Survivor Series that year uh, is Ted DiBiase, The Powers of Pain, and Zeus taking on uh, Hogan, Jake the Snake, and strange enough, Axe and Smash. Yeah, I I read about that too. I was thinking of like, as far as like just specifically the tag matches that I meant. Um, As you were saying. Okay, so all of Hogan's dialogue in this movie is done with ADR, which is additional dialogue replacement, where he recorded his lines later after it was filmed, because so much of Hogan's dialogue is filmed with his back to the camera. Yeah, and wide shots. and Yes. Uh, we're also introduced to Rip's entourage, which is his trainer, Charlie... Because we got to get a Mickey type character in here for a Rocky story, and his brother Randy. <laughs> yes, his brother Randy, brother. who I feel should have had a bigger part in the movie if we were supposed to care about him. Yeah, he was just basically a punching bag, and uh, they basically established that the way to get over in the WWF is to be seconded by an orphan. Because they made it was very awkward the fact that that was brought up on commentary. You know, right? They became closer after their mother passed away. Yeah. Um, so um, we're then introduced to Brell, who is the uh, evil cable network boss. Wait, before you rival- get into this, oh, w- was Randy his actual brother? Yeah. Oh, I thought I misunderstood it as if like Rip like adopted him or brought him into the family after like his family died. 
No, no, no. Oh, see that 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 I was confused. So yeah, I, I should have known it by the family resemblance, but I missed that entire point. My bad. Oh yes, the, the family resemblance. <laughs> yes, the spinning image. So again, we're introduced um, to the um, the villain of the movie, the head of the rival TV network, Brell, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, played expertly by character actor Kurt Fuller. Okay. Yeah, and he's an absolute scumbag in everything he's in. He's so hateable. (laughs) Now, I will say this. So, again, rumor and innuendo, the way that this movie was done, that there was a write, a script, or whatever, and then uh, Hogan and Vince didn't like the script, went to a hotel over the weekend, maybe had some Spectrox, and rewrote the script, okay? Mm. When we get Brell's entire through line of this movie up until the end where he dies of his own petard, um, Brell is Vince. I know <laughs> in Vince's mind, Brell was like Ted Turner or some like rival person that's always been out to get him, but Brell is 100% Vince. <laughs> I, I can see that, you know? I think Vince subconsciously, like, wrote his id into the script for the Brell character, okay? At the very least, things that Vince wanted to be able to do. Right. And I also want to say this is the first introduction that we get to the term jock ass, which is not (laughs) real. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be jackass, and they wanted to have their own thing. They only say it four times throughout the course of the movie, but I feel as though they could have really hammered it home and said it about 14 times. Yeah, it was part of that failed merchandising campaign that never got off the ground. They were going to do jockass shirts. Right. Now, I'll say this. Brell is fantastic. Kurt Fuller is a fantastic actor. And the weekend that um, no Holds Board came out, and I couldn't find them on YouTube, but I've absolutely seen them. They had things at some theater where they had a premiere of No Holds Barred, and this is pre-Zeus showing up on TV as a character. They had Kurt Fuller as Brell at the premiere fucking with people. Really? Yes. And it, oh, it aired awesome. on Superstars and Challenge the weekend that the movie came out. All right, I want to see that. Somebody get on that. Right. Um, so Brell wants Hogan, Rip, to be on his network, and his group of toadies tell him that Rip will never do it because Rip is a man of his word, and he's contracted to the other television network to wrestle only for them. So I ask you this, Adam. If Rip is a man of his word, why did he even take the meeting the next day with Brell? Well, he just wanted to hear him out. He just wanted to be polite. I guess. And I realize now the reason why they didn't have Terry just play Hulk Hogan in this is because there's no way Hulk Hogan's turning down a blank check. Okay. Well, the reason that they have him go there is is because, you know, we we should have had a thing where it was established that, like, I'm going to wine and dine him. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. We're going to send a limo to pick him up. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Because we get the limo bringing him home after he's turned on Brell's offer, where the limo takes him to, like, an abandoned junkyard garage. Yeah, something like that. Where we get our first fantastic, horrible fight sequence of the film. And I love the the 80s and early 90s fight stereotype 
of everybody attacking one at a time. It's like right. the Jean-Claude Van Damme effect. You know? oh, and before they get there, while Rip finds out that he's trapped in the limo and he can't get out and he's trying to kick his way out of the limo, they're playing like this weird, sexy saxophone music <laughs> while it's going on, which really sets the tone very strangely. Yeah. Um, we get the bit where uh, Rip escapes from the limo by rocket jet propelling 20 feet in the air through the moonroof and landing on top of the thing, right? Yeah. Uh-oh, and yeah. while st- while standing on top of the limo, the first assailant that comes at Rip, Rip reaches down and with one hand picks the guy up off of his feet, 10 feet in the air, and then with one hand throws him another 20 feet. Well, he, he, he takes his vitamins and says his prayers. Right. Hogan is shown to have superhuman strength in this movie. After he dispatches the goons, the limo driver is still in the limo. With bare hands, Hulk Hogan rips a locked car door off a limo, pulls out the guy, and there's yet another famous sequence where Hogan says, what's that smell? And the guy says, dookie. Hogan says, dookie. Smash cut to the next day where he's at the meeting with the television network, and at no point is this sequence that we just saw ever brought up again. You would think if I was made an offer by the other network, I'd bring it up to my main network. You would think if I made an offer by the rival network, he then takes me to an abandoned garage and attempts to have me killed. And then one of the guys there was so terrified he shit himself. It would be the only thing I could talk about. <laughs> well, no, hey, maybe, maybe Nobody this is a up. comedy. Maybe it's a common occurrence in Rip's life. We don't know that. Right. You know? For me, and I will... this would be the greatest day of my life. For Rip, this was Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm sure this will come up multiple times throughout the course of this movie. But there's so many fucking crime being done with oh. zero repercussions. Zero. <laughs> We're never going to get the authorities involved. We're never going to ask for assistance. We're never going to tell any one of the horrible things that literally just happened to us. Um, But I also want to say that I think that um, the limo driver was specifically cast and looked the way that he did because they wanted him to look like Richard Belzer. If you remember for the lead up to WrestleMania 1, Richard Belzer had a TV show. Hogan puts him in the front face lock and, like, chokes him out for real. Belzer falls, cracks his head, and ended up suing Hogan for, like, millions and millions of dollars, and they settled out of court. Yeah. I think this was Hogan's way of getting, like, repercussions on Belzer by having a guy in his movie shit his pants who looked like Richard Belzer. Yeah, Belzer got a bunch of money, and then... This is like, oh, you really showed Belzer by having this guy say this line. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, all that piss and shit humor, Vince must have thought that was hilarious. He probably had a good belly laugh for like 20 minutes. Oh, we're not done yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are then introduced to the Hulkster's new account executive, Sam. And Hogan's like, all right, Sam, brother, what's his brother look like, dude? And then it's not Sam, it's Samantha. It's a foxy lady. What? And I will say this, uh, Joanne Severance, who was primarily a soap opera star, I'm sure she was sold a bill of goods that was go- this was going to be her big break into Hollywood, like actual making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a very attractive lady. 
Oh yeah, yeah, she's, uh, she's a pretty pretty lady. That dark hair and green eyes is definitely something, you know. <laughs> yeah. What are you queuing up? No, I'm not queuing up nothing. Oh, okay, I was worried there. So I just wanted to catch where I was. Um, so Brel, and again, we're not going to go over the whole movie. Brel gets rejected. Um, they decide to go to this sleazy biker bar, and this is where like UFC originally started. Um, because this is where like, it was like no holds barred, and everybody just fights for like a hundred dollars, no rules, no referee, you just do whatever you want. Uh, Stan Hansen is one of the guys involved in this. He's like the primary guy who gets like a bunch of lines. Um, Rene Goulet, or not Rene Goulet, uh, yeah, Rene Goulet is one of the guys. Uh, Mr. Jeep Swenson, who would later go on to be uh, the ultimate solution in WCW when he got Z Gangsta a job there as well. And he was Bane in uh, the Batman and Robin movie. He was he? also Bane in the Batman and Robin movies. So they, they Brell sees this and he's like, okay, this is going to be the future of things. Um, his two toadies go into the men's room, and I'll say that the men's room that they go into is more disgusting than the bathroom from Train Spotting. <laughs> yeah. A legendary filthy bathroom in movie history. I put the no holds barred uh, bar bathroom up against that at any time. Yeah, and you said that this was uh, akin to early UFC. In my notes, I have that they went to a GCW show. Oh my goodness! <laughs> no comment. No comment. Uh, so they decide to like film like a, a, a they're like, okay, this, is, we're going to do it. We're going to have these people come in. And then while they're filming the first episode of this, Zeus shows up. He gets a big theatrical thing. He also picks up a woman by her head from an elevation of several feet and then just drops her through a barrel. She's dead, right? <laughs> Zeus just comes in and kills a woman. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no repercussions. <laughs> and I want to throw this out here. Every scene that Zeus is in, he has a either slightly or a much more elaborate version of his outfit. He never wears the same outfit twice. And I say Zeus, fas secret fashionista. Yeah, his his outfit is slowly evolving. You know, he starts off basically being in street clothes. And like the third time you see him, he's got proper like, uh, like uh, trunks on, like not yeah. trunks, but like pants on. And then obviously by the main event, he's got the full regalia of like the shoulder pads and everything like that. So good on him. Invest in your gear. That's good That's advice right. to any wrestler. And those are the <laughs> only two things that you can control, your physique and your gear, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, and I think your tan is the third one. Right. Um, but uh, there was some debate whether or not Zeus like knocks down a wall or opens like knocks down a door I debate that he was in a box, Joe, and he came out of that box, so he was instantly over. I, I would, I that that's a great uh, point that you made there, Adam. Yes, yes, and I also wonder if I shaved a Z into the side of my head for Halloween, would I get canceled? No. Okay, just making sure. Now I didn't get a chance to pull footage of when Zeus makes his debut in World Wrestling Entertainment. Obviously, when he does, he still has the Z shaved in the side of his head. He's still got the crossed eye. He's still got the unibrow, right? Uh -huh. But in this movie, he has, like, half an eyebrow over his right eye, okay? Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. Instead of, like, the full that goes from, like, one side all the way across the other with nothing in the middle to separate the two eyebrows. But I don't recall him having the half an eyebrow over the one eye 
like he does in this movie, and somehow that makes him look more menacing. <laughs> yeah, he's just a scary looking dude. Um, we skipped the part where Rip and Samantha are going on a road, or no, they're going to have a dinner meeting. They go to a fancy French restaurant. The waiter tries to embarrass Rip, but Rip knows everyone there because he's a regular there. This is to show Rip's cultured side, right? Yeah. (laughs) Because little do we know, Samantha has been sent here to, uh, attempt to lure rip to go over to brell's network but of course she just sees the hulkster rip as a blonde meathead muscle head doesn't know all the charity work that he does doesn't know how cultured he is doesn't know how a good guy he is and she ends up like all of us in 1989 falling for the hulkster (laughs) yeah and obviously uh they eventually uh, like shortly thereafter after we get the uh the second Zeus match where they're like in a foundry, you know, it seems like a steel factory. You eventually get Rip and Samantha going to a diner to show Rip's other side because he's also a man of the people and he's like friends with the waitress and all that stuff. But the robbery or there's a robbery and uh, Rip thwarts it by throwing pies and causing thousands of dollars in damage. Right. And that was where the uh, sassy waitress at the diner knows Rip. And it's like, oh, if I wasn't married and I was a little bit younger, it'd be me and you because you're you're the ideal man that every woman, no matter <laughs> your age or ethnic background or financial station, would kill to be with, right? Yeah. So then uh, they get the hotel room together, and uh, we find out secretly Brell canceled one of the rooms, so... Hogan and Samantha. I'm going to say Hogan. It's Hogan, right? It's Hulk Hogan. All right. He's wearing blue instead of fucking red and yellow. All right. Same guy. Sometimes black. Yeah. So uh, in classic sitcom fashion, since they have to split a hotel room, Hogan, and again, I call bullshit here. You think Hogan is going to carry around his own wrist tape with him? (laughs) Hogan's the type of guy to be like, hey, brother, I need to borrow some wrist tape and a marker and maybe a gig, brother. I'll get you next time, right? Yeah. So he gets his he gets his uh, wrist tape and he makes like a curtain thing to separate the room in half over by the bed. And she's getting herself ready for bed. Samantha Hulk's getting himself ready for bed. And I noticed that Hulk is wearing smaller shorts than Samantha was. At least initially. Yeah. But because we get two lovingly long shots of the Hulkster's ass cheeks peeking out of the tiny shorts that he's wearing. <laughs> Um, then there's, oh, and you know, and there's another bit that I forgot. There's like two or three instances where Hogan sits in a chair and the chair creaks because like Hogan is so big that he breaks furniture or almost breaks furniture. And they do a payoff here where he gets into the bed and he breaks the bed, right? Yeah, because he almost broke a chair, like the gold-plated chair at the executive's office. Right, and he almost broke a chair at the French restaurant, too. They do, like, a subtle squeak when he gets into the chair, and the waiter just looks at him like, oh, you big oaf, right? Yeah, it's storytelling. But but before Hogan goes to bed, like all of us do, he strips down to his banana hammock, oils himself up, (laughs) and does push-ups before bed. Yeah, nothing like lulling yourself into, (laughs) like, to sleep. And then, like, getting the heart pumping. He's getting a good pump on, right? But the yeah. fact that he oiled himself up to do it t- first, too, you know? 
Yeah. And as far as the, the only one hotel room left, uh, the, I know that move. It's a good move. So kudos to him. But I don't I do not believe for one second that wrist tape can hold up like a comforter. You know, that shit's going to rip. I don't rip them. I'm doing the <laughs> rip hand sign right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then while this so Samantha ends up going to Brell and this where Brell like like she's like, no, I can't betray the Hulkster, I'm in love with him, and Brell backhands her, right? And even Brell's two cronies are like, oh, we may have crossed a line, you know? Yeah, still no legal consequences, though. <laughs> None whatsoever. It was the 80s. It was a different time, right? Yeah. Um. So, I'm looking at my notes. Okay. Um. So, uh, there's another Zeus Battle of the Tough Guys thing. Uh, and Randy, uh, Hulkster's brother, and his friend Craig decide they're going to go watch, decked out in their finest rip regalia, right? Yeah. So uh, as, like, the, the match is over, Zeus kills yet another person. We're, like, up to, like, th- three <laughs> or four people that Zeus has killed at this point. Like, just straight up murdering people. And, and if I can interrupt you, you did miss one beat, and I wanted to mention that uh, we have Zeus calling out Rip on TV. When Oh, yes! And shortly after that, Sam is attacked, basically either being mugged or whatever in a parking lot. And Rip has to kind of chase off the 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 culprit. And that's yet another unpunished crime that's going on. That that was definitely supposed to be an implied rape. Yeah, I mean, it, it had the vibe. Yeah. But we also get the point where Rip or Hogan or uh, Zeus cuts the promo on Rip. It's when um, Sam comes back and is like, oh, I really do love you, Rip. And they're like doing a little hanky panky on the couch. They see the promo come up and then Hogan just looks at it. We cut to a children's charity event the next day where Rip or where Brell shows up with Zeus. They confront Rip and they say, we challenge you to a match. Rip says nothing, does nothing. And Brell goes, well, I take your silence as a forfeit. We're the new champions. And then they just leave, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the attempted rape in the parking garage happens. It's like, here, I'm going to try something real quick, Joe. MJF, I challenge you to a world title match. No response. All right, I'm now the AEW champion. Congrats. No, you have to take a helicopter to wherever he is. Ah, can I borrow Which... the Longbox Heroes copter? <laughs> you can. Yes. <laughs> so, um... So Randy and Craig end up at the, uh, the you know, Zeus killing people on TV. Um, they notice that they're wearing, oh, they're running, they're fleeing because Zeus is going crazy. They flee and they bump into Brell and like, they're like, oh, these teenagers. R- Randy looked to be in his like late 30s. Uh, Craig looked to be in his like early 30s. These teenagers, these kids attacked Mr. Brell. They're like, oh, no, it's no big deal. And they see they're wearing the Rip'em shirts. And they're like, oh, we got some converts, right? And Craig mouths off. And he's like, fuck that, man. Rip is the best. Zeus Zeus sucks. Randy is even Rip's brother. How do you like that, right? So they're like, oh, you're Rip's brother, huh? Well, why why don't we go introduce you to Zeus, right? And instead of immediately, like, Zeus just, like, murdering both Craig and Randy, like, they work like a little match. And Randy kind of, like, catches catch cans his way around Zeus for, like, a couple seconds, right? Yeah. The only like, thing I'm su- the only thing I'm surprised about, because I was writing down when I was taking my notes of, like, how many, like, 
like very <laughs> severe uh, crime Zeus or the executive were doing. So I was making a checklist and the fact that Randy actually swung first at Zeus, like I respect the move, but technically Zeus was defending himself. It was self-defense. Right. Zeus was definitely defending himself against this guy. I think we would have cared more about, Ra- like, I think we would have cared more about Randy if they threw something in there because Randy shows that he has like this technical expertise, right? Where, you could have done a thing where, like, Rip and Randy were both wrestlers, right? Mm. And Randy was, like, the more technical guy, and Rip was the more showmanship guy. And we do a thing where, like, Randy gets an injury, and he can't do it anymore. Or, and or like, Randy was the wrestler, and Rip was just, like, whatever. Basis for Metallica, or whatever the fuck Hogan lies, like, lies Hogan tells. So Randy is the one that's on his way to superstardom, gets hurt, could never wrestle again, and Rip is the one that takes over the legacy for Randy, right? Yeah. So at least you build, like, something a little bit more into him other than, he's Rip's brother, and that's it. That's his character. He's Rip's brother. Yeah. He was destined for stardom, but he was allergic to the gas. Right. (laughs) So, uh... Zeus fails and almost murders Randy, doesn't actually murder Randy. Hogan's all upset, goes to, and then just appears at Zeus's lair and (laughs) destroys it, right? Yeah. And Hogan gets tricked by, like, this video thing that they do where there's, like, cameras and a mirror and he thinks it really is Zeus. But I guess you could say that he was, like, seeing red, he was blind, he was so angry, you know? He wasn't thinking straight. And I love how if you watch that scene, it is basically just, you know, uh, with Tiny Lister just standing really still. (laughs) Right. Because it wasn't any special effects. It was just, hey, hey, Zeus, just stand there real quick. We need 20 seconds. And it wasn't a still shot because you could see him, like, slowly moving. It was very off-putting. So Hogan agrees to the match. Zeus decides to go undergo heavy training, even though Hogan just destroyed his lair. Hogan is now devoting his time to help Randy walk again. Okay. Mm. This is where this movie is like, oh, they just tried to do Rocky three. Right. Yeah. Where if this movie was a little bit longer or better, they would have had the deal where Zeus beats Hogan one time. And then Hogan has to build himself back up to be able to beat Zeus. But obviously Hogan's got to look strong, brother. We ain't losing in my movie, movie, bro, dude, whatever. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Now we have the big blow-off match. It's at a completely different stage place. There's people in, like, tuxedos and evening gowns there. And then as uh, Randy and Charlie and Craig show up with Samantha, the goons grab Samantha. Hogan gets the word from Brell saying, listen, I got Samantha. I'm going to kill her. Okay, yeah. unless you throw the match, Brell has been shook in his confidence in Zeus because he's seen Zeus kill so many people, but <laughs> Zeus failed to kill Randy. If <laughs> Zeus killed Randy, then Brell would have been like, "Oh, he'll absolutely kill the Hulkster, right?" But because yeah. he hesitated and did not kill Randy, Brell has to go behind Zeus's back, and like I now, I now have to like stack the deck. To make sure that Zeus will not lose. And he says go out there with that German kid. Give him six good minutes. uh, Make him look like a million bucks. And then you're going to do a dive. That's not really what Brell said. But that's the gist of what Brell said. 
Um, of course, Samantha slips out because all the goons are so excited watching Rip get his ass kicked by Zeus. We get two full Hulk Hogan comebacks. Hulk Hogan in this movie's finisher is a running double sledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the match itself isn't over. They battle up through the crowd. While this is going on, Brell is going nuts, and he's trying to get the, the, the TV show off the air, so he's pulling out all the wires and shit, and you see a bunch of stuff that says, like, technical difficulties, please stand by. Uh, Hogan and Zeus are fighting. He gives he gives Zeus the big to-do. Zeus takes the big bump off the balcony into the ring. It falls perfectly into the dead center circle, and then we see that Zeus has a little trickle of blood coming out of his mouth, so we are led to believe that Zeus is now dead, and now Hogan sees the mastermind Brell behind everything. Hogan picks up a chair, throws it through the glass window. Brell gets electrocuted from all the wires that he ripped out. The end. Yeah, because everybody knows that, like, cable wires, which is what all those were, those are all live wires, you know? Nothing more dangerous than a coax cable. <laughs> it was electricity. <laughs> and also, I have realized over the course of watching this movie that the sign of being rich used to be having a single 27-inch TV surrounded by a bunch of smaller, like, 9-inch monitors. If you <laughs> if you were, like, a late 80s, like, executive, you had an office laid out like that. <laughs> So what do you think, Joe? Okay, so I asked before we started talking about this, is No Holds Barred a good bad movie or a bad bad movie? And I say it's neither. It's a great bad movie. Yeah. I had so much fun watching this. It brought back so much nostalgia. This is Hogan and Vince and WWE Studios Looking at your Jean-Claude Van Damme, your Arnold, your uh, Stallone-type movie, and say, huh, we could do that better than them, and they can't. <laughs> but they tried. Uh, I would say they that tried this, and failed. Yes, I would agree that this was a good, bad movie. Uh, maybe not great, but um, if you take this as the context of when it came out, this doesn't seem odd. Like if you if we grabbed a 20-year-old and said, "Here, watch this movie." They would be blown away with how bad and cheesy it is. They, but they would think the, it was like intentionally made bad this way. Exactly. It would be something like a grindhouse type movie or machete, you know, something that's over the top in its cheesiness and like a, a period piece, but you know, knowing that this was the norm back then, it, it's like, okay, this is just like every other movie that I was watching around then, other than you, like you said, a little bit worse. Right. Uh, I, I would say that it's a good, bad movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. And like I said, this was the first time I saw this movie since seeing it uh, near its initial run. It was fantastic. Now, Joe, I'll ask you this mm -hmm. before we do anything else. Rank it against Fighting With My Family, Ready to Rumble, and Christmas Bounty. I hope you're keeping a comprehensive list, because I No, am. you're supposed to keep a comprehensive list. I'm keeping my comprehensive list. I'm not keeping oh. yours. All right. More work for me. Um, no Holds Barred, number one. Ready to Rumble, number two. Fighting With My Family, number three. Christmas Bounty, number four. All right. I'm writing mine down real quick. And I'm going to say, number one for me, and I base this solely on the fact that if you told me six months from now, 
you have to watch one of these movies again, which one would I stomach rewatching again in six months? My answer is still fighting with my family. So fighting with my family is still my number one, but no holds barred is my number two. Followed by Ready to Rumble, followed by Christmas Bounty. Now I'm watching No Holds Barred again. This is a blast. I mean, again, it's it's a number two, which is high praise for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm still I'm still putting uh, fighting with my family because I think it's just more of a it's an intentionally funny movie as opposed to an accidentally funny movie. Right. But all right, Joe, what do you got for me? All right, so uh, we had the build up, we had the nitro, we had the thunder leading up to the pay per view, and now it is time to watch. WCW sold out 2000. Uh, if you remember, the advertised card for this event going into it was some sort of match between the filthy animals and the revolution. Very unclear as to what it was. Okay. Yep. Mystery, a, a mystery partner for revolution. L- let's say that match doesn't happen the way it's been advertised. Okay. Okay. Vampiro versus David Flair. Let's say that match does not happen in the way that it's advertised. <laughs> okay. We have Vic Vito and Johnny the Bull taking on the Harris brothers, whatever. We have Oklahoma versus Medusa for the Juice Away title. That match actually happens as advertised. Uh, Brian Knobs, Fit Finley, Norman Smiley, and Ming for the four-way for the hardcore title. That match actually happens as advertised. Uh, Booker T versus Stevie Ray also happens as advertised. Uh, Tank Abbott versus Jerry Flynn, I'll say, does not happen as advertised because on TV they told it, it they told us it was going to be a shoot fighting match, and it just ends up being a regular match. Um, All right. Buff Bagwell versus DDP, that match happens as advertised. Kevin Nash versus Terry Funk, that match happens as advertised. Um, Chris Benoit versus Double J Jeff Jarrett for the U.S. title in that uh, triple threat theater match. That match does not happen as advertised. And in the main event, WCW world champion Bret the Hitman Hart defends the title against Sid Vicious. That match does not happen as advertised. Ah, oh, fucking Bret. Unreliable. So, <laughs> um, this is another one of those big flashpoints in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, what happens at this pay-per-view sets into motion a lot of things. Well, all I'm thinking about right now is I hope that this pay-per-view isn't that much north of two hours because it sounds like there's 9,000 matches. Well, I will say this, Adam. This is 2000 WCW, and I will just give you some of the match times. Two minutes and 36 seconds. Two minutes and 56 seconds. A minute 39. Five minutes. Just to give you an (laughs) idea. A lot of short matches, a lot of snackable content, but it's a pay-per-view. So, you know, it's going to be like close to three hours, you know, (sighs) I liked it at first when you were telling me about those match links, but, uh, all right, we'll see, but looking forward to it, I guess. All right, Joe, I think it's time for voicemail, right? Yep. Let's get to our first call. Hey boys. It's, uh, it's Ronnie. You know, I didn't call last week, and uh, you know, I wasn't going to call this week either, um, because I just, you know, I don't feel I don't feel I need to call a show every week. That's Joe's thing. He kind of did that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare bite somebody else's style. But, um, Ed, 
Ed, why why'd you have to do it? You know, because he just he intentionally poked the bear with the brown shit and <laughs> now you're gonna make me be mean to you. And for somebody who says as much stupid fucking shit as you do yeah, it was fine. You, yeah, you should. You shouldn't have done that. Because now I'm gonna have to be mean to you. Um, I don't look forward to it. I don't look forward to it. It's like you know, like when a dad has to punish his kid. I'm not gonna enjoy it. I mean, maybe a little bit, but yeah, it's. <sighs> oh boy. All right. Well, until next time when I have to apparently be fucking mean to Ed. I'll see you. See you when I see you. I guess. And uh, thanks, Joe and Adam. Uh, and you're kind of sort of involved, but. It was a Steeler thing, but you didn't you didn't lash out like Ed did, so we're still cool. All right, thanks, buddy. See ya. Uh, so Pat calls right back. I don't think he's happy. I'll just let all you right. Know. Well, just before you go, like I thought, even though he said Ed, I thought he was talking to me. I thought he just misspoke, but I'm glad he clarified at the end that I'm an innocent bystander. <laughs> but go ahead. Let, let's get to a second call. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, well, finished the rest of that segment and uh, heard what Adam had to say, so fuck you too, I guess. And even Joe had to go and fucking pile on with his little other helmet comment. Fucking all you guys, motherfuckers, man. Now I gotta be mean to everybody. Fucking hate it. Hate to do it, but that's you. You're you're making me do this. So next, when I'm mean to you guys, you'll know you'll know fucking this is fucking why. So don't don't act crazy next time. I'm a fucking dick. <laughs> I I'd like to think that since Pod Van Dam podcast is no more, that the only way that Pat and Ed converse with each other is through our voicemail. <laughs> yeah, we're like messaging the bottle for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just doing it back and forth. But uh, oh man, that was awesome. Thanks. Uh, I am worried, but thank you. <laughs> yes. Now Pat's a good guy. No, I know. He, he knows a lot of strong people, though. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, he's on the payroll. Yeah, he is. All right, next call. Hey guys, it's the strongest man in all the land. Arthur MacArthur here. A um, couple things to address here. Um, first and foremost, uh, I have to I have to do it. I have to plug the AIW show this Saturday in Youngstown. Um, if you're in the Youngstown area, I mean Pittsburgh's not too far, or, or if you're just in Ohio in general, why don't you give us a shot this Saturday? It's gonna be a loaded card. It's gonna be fun, and you're gonna see the ECW original, Mr. Sandman. <clears throat> anyway, we have, uh, it's obviously a bowling show. So, this is what I want you all to do. Joe, Adam, let's say you two are facing each other in a bowling match, team versus team. I want you guys to draft, per guy, three independent wrestlers to be on your bowling team and to make the best possible outcome. That's all I got. Uh, hope you guys have a blessed week. And uh, I'll see you guys soon. Oh, man. First, I got to say, uh, Artie, I'm going to need you to counteract any kind of stroke that Ronald Two Legs has at AAW. Uh, protect me. Uh, well, Joe, let me ask you this. Do you bowl? Are you a bowler? Have you bowled? Yeah. You know, like, I'm not like a professional by any stretch of the imagination. But like in high school and college, I did. I still have a good form. I, you know, I'm fat, out of shape guy, which is perfect for bowling. Um <laughs> But like I, you know, because my kid bowls now, so like we, I try to bowl as much as I can. But I like these days, I could do like one sixty, one seventy on a good day. Okay, I, I have not bowled since high school. Okay, and I think my my like best game might have been like one thirty in that mm-hmm. neighborhood, one thirty, one forty. But 
Ah, uh, man, are there like famous wrestling bowlers? I'm surprised nobody's had that gimmick that I know of. Like, were well, there like in the Dukes the Dumpster Drossy era? Like, is was there like a professional bowler guy in the WWF or something? There was not. There was a team on the Indies, like late '90s, early 2000s, called the Kingpins. Okay. Where they would come out in the bowling shirts with the bowling balls, and they would use like the bowling like stuff as like plunder during their matches, right? Okay, I like it. But so, are we picking our teams like back and forth, back and forth, or are we just going to say like, "Here's my three and go for it"? Because I got my three all ready to go. Uh, all right, go with your first one. We'll all go right. back and forth. Number one, uh, I'm picking uh, the boar. Okay, natural athlete, you know, strength. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go number one. I'm just going to go with Otis because he's a fat guy. It looks like he'd be good at bowling. Okay. Uh, my number two is uh, Avery Good, uh, professional commentator. I picked those two because I got a chance to see them bowl in the basement at Sokol's uh, over Christmas time, and they're both really good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with the great Kali, and if he's not available, Satnam Singh, because I feel like they can just kind of reach out and, like, get the strike without having to really throw the ball for very far. Uh, I could see them getting a lot of foot fouls, not having a, well, they might do like weird hook stuff with their bowl, not Taz's kid, but anyway. <laughs> and what's your third? My, my, my third pick is a ringer. And again, you're going to say there's been no wrestlers with a bowling gimmick, but there happened to be a bowler who happened to be a wrestler. And a couple years ago, he actually, played a game against a professional bowler by the name of Jason Belmonte and beat him. And that's Jerry of Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. <laughs> All right, that's a, that's a deep cut. All right. Um, I, I respect Jerry. I think Jerry, I'm sure, has a great game, but I am going to counteract him with the anchor of my team, and that is none other than the recently having very much free time on her hands, Alexa Bliss. She'll be my third. <laughs> I'm sure she'll get, get her the ramp and put the bumpers up for her. <laughs> Speaking of having good form, am I right? <laughs> Save that for your council of Greece. I don't want to hear nothing about it. <laughs> Thanks, Artie. Thank you, Artie. Good luck this weekend. Absolutely. Next call. Hello, Joe, Adam. It's the other JB here. I uh, thank you for all your recommendations um, for Double A for this past week. Um, those matches are were uh, really great. I liked. It was wild to me how um, loud the crowds were. Um, I'm just most, most of the live events I've gone to have been AIW shows, and they're not always that hot the entire way. So it was a really cool thing to see there, um, especially with the Brain Busters Rockers match. Um, the, I can see where a lot of the modern tag team styling comes from um, and, you know, great in-ring stuff. Uh, it's really fun that over the past couple of weeks, accidentally my homework has been mirrored or co tangentially related to things that have happened. First, we've got uh, Rey Mysterio in the Rumble, um, and then this past week, we had the Toxic Attraction um, imitation of the Rockers split up. Very fun. So, I will make an effort to tie in the homework even more directly. This Saturday, there is the This Aggression Will Not Stand for AIW, 
and the special guest meet and greet is the Sandman. Um, so, so quite the shift going from a Arn Anderson with a stellar in ring to well, the Sandman, um, a man that I really only know from his entrance. So, um, my question for you is, what should I know about the Sandman? Um, how much of the in-ring stuff there is, and uh, where I might go about finding those. Artie, thank you much. Joe, uh, before we get into your answers, and they will be your answers, as obviously, whenever <laughs> there's another JB call, um, do you have a Mark photo with Sandman? Have you met the Sandman, other than, like, obviously seeing him at a bunch of ECW shows back in the day? No, like I said, the only Mark photos I got during the ECW days were um, with Beulah and Francine. Uh, Other than that, (laughs) yeah. Um, But like Sandman used to like hang out outside the shows and stuff and just like shoot the shit with people, you know? He was just like a guy, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, But my recommendations, and this is one of those things where, you know, I. It was. I had to do a little look in here just to get the dates of stuff, right? Because, like, I could just throw out, like, oh, random whatevers, okay? But all of these matches are available on YouTube, okay? Um, The first one I'm going to give you is a match that's way better than it has any right to be, and that's from April 29th, 1999, WCW Thunder, Kevin Nash taking on Hack, a.k.a. the Sandman. Uh, Like, Kevin Nash gives the Sandman a ton of shit in this match. It's fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, I would say, though, Sandman's best opponent, uh, I know this will be a surprise to you and no one else, is uh, Cactus Jack. They had a program in ECW late 94 into early 1995. Things get transitioned around. They're kind of married to each other for like the first half of 1995. Uh, They're two best matches. Uh, If you look one up and it's they're going to consider it Falls Count Anywhere, whatever. But it's January 16th, 1995. It's from Florida. You'll you'll notice because it, it's like professionally shot. It looks nothing like any of the other ECW stuff from that era because, area because it's from a different venue, whatever. But it's Falls Count Anywhere, Cactus Jack versus Sandman. Wild brawl, crazy stuff, fantastic, right? Okay. Then they come back to Philly. And on February February 4th, we're actually like, yeah, we're close to the anniversary of it, but they don't line up. February 4th, it's a Texas death match, Cactus Jack versus, versus the Sandman. Is this a good match? No. Is this a very interesting match to watch? Yes. So um, during this time, the fans would bring weapons and shit and hand them to the wrestlers at ECW, right? Yeah. Um, very famous story. Cactus has told it in his book. Um, it's pretty well known. Um, if you've seen any like the Sandman or Raven shoot interviews, um, one of the items that Cactus ends up grabbing from a fan and hitting Sandman with is a cast iron skillet. <laughs> yeah. And when he hits Sandman with this, you could you know because you literally see a man get concussed live. <laughs> Sandman doesn't take a bump; he melts. Okay. (laughs) Then the match goes on for another 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Cactus is trying everything that he could get to get Sandman to stay down and end the match and go home. Sandman concussed keeps thinking, I got to keep kicking out because we're not at the finish yet. (laughs) 
So it's a very interesting match to watch for those two very reasons. Again, uh, Hack versus uh, Kevin Nash, Cactus Jack Sandman, uh, Florida, False Count Anywhere, Cactus Jack Sandman, Texas Death Match. Those are your three recommendations. And and once you know it, those are the exact same three I was going to recommend. Oh, cool. Yeah. What a coincidence. <laughs> you beat me, too. You stole my spotlight, Joe. All right. Next call. Hey, Adam. Hey, Joe. Um, quick question. I was watching some ECW from 1998, Hardcore TV, and it reminded me that Joe used to go to shows all the time. And I'm just curious, like, where... With indie shows now, like, they always have wrestlers out selling their merch, and you can get an autograph and a photo and stuff like that. Was it like that at ECW? Like, was Tommy Dreamer out selling his merch or Taz out selling his merch, uh, and you can get a photo and autograph and stuff with them, like, during intermission? Or was it more like WWE where, like, they're not available, but they have somebody just selling merch at a location? Um, so that's my question for the week. I'll listen to the pod to get my answer. Uh, love you. Love the show. Love you all the time. Bye. Uh, Joe, can I answer my experience since it's much smaller than your experience? And you yeah. can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I, as I've mentioned before, I probably went to maybe six ECW shows, seven around there. And it was always either the Kingston Armory, the CYC or Jim Thorpe. That's the only places I ever been to. And to the best of my memory, not a single one of them had any kind of wrestlers hanging out selling gimmicks uh i remember the kingston armory i got uh tommy dreamer to sign my ticket stub but that was just because he was walking around kind of doing like managerial duties you know so he was like helping paulie type of deal so he wasn't out there as a wrestler i just kind of caught him going between point a and point b so in my experience it was always just here's a gimmick table that is being run by somebody's wife and that was it. Now, was that your experience, or how did we differ on that? Uh, pretty much. Uh, the guys were not out there hawking their own merchandise. I mentioned before, as you had asked, um, at the C sh- at the B shows, your Jim Thorpes and stuff, at intermission, you'd be able to go and get your picture taken in the ring with Beulah or Francine or one of the girls or something like that. And it was like a Polaroid, whatever it was, right? Yeah. Um, there had been times at the ECW arena where it'd be like, oh, this is not a match I really care about. So I'm going to go in line and get the concessions. It's like, oh, Tracy Smothers is in line, right? You know? So, like, yeah. you don't want to bother him, but, like, he wasn't selling his shit, but he was just there, right? So it's like, hey, what's going on, Tracy Smothers, you know? Um, there was one time at the arena. Uh, it was the second time that he was in. Uh, and I remember, I think, in this 1995 money, I think the Beulah Francine Polaroids were, like, 20 bucks, right? Yeah. They they try to do Polaroids in the ring with Rey Mysterio, and they do fifty bucks, and Oof. no one bites. It's Rey standing in the ring alone for like <laughs> five minutes. Nobody comes up. Nobody does nothing because they announced that it was fifty bucks, and then they bump it down to twenty, and then it gets a line. Now, whether that was a, like, a concerted effort by Paul to drum up interest, but that was the only time of going to the ECW arena that I remember them doing an in-ring thing where you can get your picture taken with one of the guys. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, 
Maybe it happened. Maybe I don't remember, but it, I feel like knowing me the way that I do, if there was like a Bueller or Francine photo opportunity, regardless of the price, I probably would have bought it. So maybe uh-huh. that just never happened at a show that I was at. Right. But And like I said, by the time that it got to like 97, 98, I think that stuff was done. This is like 95, early 96, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks for the call, Butters. Thank you, Butters. And say, you're supposed to say your name at the beginning of the call. Oh, we all know who he is. (laughs) Listen, you and I know who he is for the listeners, right? Yeah. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Get my voicemail in. Um, All right. So watching Dynamite and Bunny got hurt pretty good there. She got really shaken up. And then I'm watching it. My friend Matt's watching it at his place. And we both know that Bunny's messed up. But apparently the referee didn't, Jamie Hayter didn't. It still had to go for the finisher and then the pin and then, you know, quickly get her out of the ring. Um, but then you watch UFC, and when someone's out, they're out. That's it. Referee, someone, like, it, it stopped. Now, Adam, as a fan, Joe, as someone experienced with the business, what is the holdup of if you see someone hurt, whether you're the wrestler, the referee, a manager, whatever, like just jump in and stop the match, break character, break the storyline, whatever their safety and protection is worth more than continuing the angle for the show or going to the planned finish. Like think of uh, Jericho when he was wrestling Pac and Pac breaks his ankle there and Jericho's yelling at the referee because the referee wasn't stopping the match. Honestly, why not have Jericho just wave his arms, throw up the axe, whatever, stop the match himself because he's the one that sees the injury first. Like, other than, I don't know, maybe someone like the Undertaker that has a mythos around his character not being able to break character, and even then I'd say, I don't care. I mean, Adam, as a fan, if a wrestler broke character to stop a match and protect another wrestler, would you care? Would you hold it against them? Nah. And, and Joe, from being, like, more inside, is there something that you're not, not you, Joe, but universally you, that wrestler's not allowed to stop it to do this? I, I'm not understanding. If I can see it watching at home, then someone else should have been able to see it and just, let's cut the match, let's stop. All right, so that's my question for the week. Looking forward to the show, guys. Uh, I mean, I think it's the mentality that they still have that it's like, oh, we have to protect this, you know, protect the business even though nobody protects it. That's just my opinion. I think it's, yeah, it's a mentality thing. It's a stubbornness thing. I I mentioned before, I just told the story of like the match with Sandman where Sandman gets knocked out. And even though he's clearly concussed, the match goes on for another 10 minutes because in his concussed state, we have to get to the finish of this match. Yeah. Whether it's the wrestler, the competitor, like the, the person who's hurt, the person who they're working against, the referee or whatever, because... There have been dozens of instances where you very clearly see somebody get their bell wrong and the referee goes over and checks on them and it's like, hey, man, are you okay? And they say, yeah. And they get up and they start running spots. Okay, they're okay. They told me they're okay. They're moving. They're very clearly not okay. But, like, I can't just tackle them and stop them. You know, and obviously the instance that Kevin mentioned in regards to Jericho and Pac, I think Jericho, I wouldn't, with him, I don't think it's a stubbornness. I think it was an ego thing where, like, he very easily could have just rolled out of the ring 
And the referee, like, and that would call the referee over instead of making a big production about it. I think Jericho with it, it's a lot of ego, but it's definitely a person-by-person issue. And I definitely think that it's a stubbornness thing with professional wrestlers. Yeah. I I may be completely crazy on this, but I I have two, I don't want to say solutions because maybe they don't work, but uh, two suggestions. Um, I think that. And I think this would probably work better in a a, a newer league like AEW, but I think they need to work in ref stoppages. And what I mean by work it in is they need to basically have like, and and immediately pops into my mind, you know how Big Show's finisher for a little while was just that he would punch people, you know, and he would knock them out. Uh, Have somebody with a finisher that's quick and impactful like that. And it quote unquote knocks out their opponent. Have the referee be like, all right, no, no, okay, the match is over. He swings his hands, kind of wraps his arms around the wrestler, kind of like would what would happen in like an MMA fight. Establish it as like a kayfabe type of thing that, hey, it is possible for referees to stop a match. And when it happens, the match is over. The person that's standing won the match. They won it by ref stoppage. Establish that as something that can happen. And then when you have a situation like Hangman getting knocked out by Moxley, then when the ref does the stoppage, it doesn't seem so foreign and so unacceptable to the crowd as it would, you know, based on like what Kevin was saying. You know, it's more natural. And then you have that crutch or that device in place to use it as a gimmick or to use it to protect a legitimate injury. And there could be times where the fans might know, not know which is which, and that's fine. But at the, at the end of the day, the wrestler who was potentially hurt or knocked out, they're protected. You know, I think that's one solution that pops into my mind. And I, I don't know what level, if at any like wrestling referees get training in like recognizing knockouts like i know that supposedly mma referees and ufc referees supposedly are trained by doctors to like this is the sites you need to look for it doesn't matter what they say when you see this you're supposed to stop the match uh i would say that wrestling referees if they're not already should be taught uh like to that extent at least on the like the major levels I'll say that they're not, which is why there's a doctor at ringside in a lot of cases, or at least a medical person at ringside, uh, who's kind of blended in with security and or they have earpieces. Yeah, but again, spend a couple bucks. I'm not saying to hire doctors as referees or to get them certified, but make them take some classes because a doctor is not going to jump from ringside into the ring and stop somebody from making like a kill shot. I agree. I like your idea, but it's a whole thing of training the audience and training the wrestlers as well. And it's not an overnight process, but it's a great, your first option I think is a great idea. Thank Yeah. That's what I mean where it's like establish it through kayfabe and it might take a year or so, but a year from now you have that extra safety measure in place. Right. But all right, cool. Thank you for your call, Kevin. Next call. Through it all, the interference, the sabotaging, I had a triple threat match at one point, (laughs) through it all, Mr. Pig's going to find a way. I wanted to wait a week to make sure that there wasn't going to be any more roll-ups from behind or 
the lights going out or any more shenanigans from Adam. So Adam, sorry to say, all good bits must come to an end. I'd like to thank everybody that took the time out to vote for me, to campaign for me, and to bring this one home. I'd also like to say that for the Orange Cassidy's, the Avery Good Professional Wrestlers, and the Dan Housens, they can all kiss my backside, baby, because this one is for me. Big Daddy Cool, Fort Chop Mahomes is the new gender neutral nah, monarch of the mountain. Oh. Now, I won't be defending this. In fact, I'm going to make a move for this to be retired officially. Um, but whatever you guys decide to do moving forward, I am etched in stone as a winner of this prestigious tournament. Joe, you're cool. Thank you for your support. Adam Van, you suck, pal. <laughs> and I would like to especially thank Jessica McKay for the inspiration. Well, you heard him. It's either going to get retired or renamed. <sighs> I like how you oh, and playing the a little board, bit of it. You and the boar both believe that you have the power to change policy of the gender neutral monarch tournament. Like you can suddenly wave a wand and change the name of it. Unbelievable. Congratulations, Bor. I'll say that, but go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, Joe. Uh, I was going to say, I'll say one would assume the person who won the most recent tournament could have some sort of say in the matter, right? I don't see OC speaking up. Danhausen took his bag of money and teeth and went elsewhere. <laughs> Avery Good ain't returning your calls. He's still smarting from that 49ers loss, right? <laughs> and listen, Adam, you call it the gender-neutral monarch of at-odds. I will call it the gender-neutral monarch of the mountain. And we'll see which one sticks. Um, first of all, you're welcome to do that. The graphics will never reflect that. Okay. That's all that matters. Uh, second of all, nobody's going to remember Jeff Jarrett a year from now when we run the tournament again. Come on, be realistic. But I will say, at the end of the day, when the rubber hits the road, the boar won. And despite the fact that everybody seems to think that I have all these backstage manipulations and machinations that I would have just been able to wave my hands and have him lose, suddenly he won, and we're not talking about conspiracies anymore. But Boar won, as he said. I can't put him in the tournament anymore. I don't need to. He won. Uh, And now apparently the the, the conspiracy is that i'm somehow booking these things so that men win every time i guess that's the new dialogue that some people are spreading on twitter despite the fact that i at one point tried to conspire i mean people say i tried to conspire to have alexa bliss beat the boar but somehow i am also anti-woman at the same time but uh congratulations the boar (laughs) well I, i i will say this uh adam i can't believe how sexist you are Yes, as everybody knows, I'm so anti-woman wrestlers. And and secondly, um, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't believe it took this long for people to call you out over it. You know, we'll see how <laughs> uncancelable you are now. You know. Well, again, if it's Kevin Marshall coming after me, I think I'm fine. 
right. It's got no bullets in that gun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's pink button time. It's young Ed. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Still not work today. Um, I forgot my earbuds, so I have a lot of time just to think. And I was thinking about Nikki Bella. And, uh, <laughs> as you do, you know. And, um, mostly about how I'm just now putting together that, um, I know Johnny Ace is her stepdad, or was. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but she started using, uh, Masala's like rolling elbow as a finish and like that has to be because Johnny Ace is like Nicole come here I want to show you something right like this that's the only explanation for why she would randomly just start showing this move so the question is do you think Johnny Ace showed it to her in earnest like I think you should start doing this or do you think he knew that it would it would be funny like <laughs> listen she did alright with it it, it it was bad but like it's, it's definitely funny that Nikki Bella used Masala's finish. Like, that rules. Uh, so, yeah, you think Johnny used to do what was funny, though? Um, and also, do you guys have any good stories of people convincing uh, wrestlers to do moves because it would be funny? Joe, this is your go. I had to tell that Okada story. It's, really <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Okay, um, bye! <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't have words Joe take this one I, I wish I had a better more advanced soundboard so that when Ed said I've been alone with my thoughts and I've been thinking about blank and I would have paused oh. it and said okay let's guess what Ed was thinking about in a million years I would have never come up with Nikki Bella right no never Um, I will say that Nikki Bella was probably shown that move and having no connection to Misawa whatsoever. I think somebody was like, Hey, I'm looking for something I could do like this. And she kind of lays out what she wants and how she could do it. And so on and so forth. And then somebody else probably pitched it to her and never said like, let's watch these Misawa matches together. Um, probably was Johnny Ace. Um, but again, that that's an interesting theory, right? Yeah. Um, I know I I've never been one to pitch moves to people um, myself personally. I, I was always a fan. Like I wish somebody else, I know like Bray Wyatt kind of does it, but I know in the indies, I would always push people to do the mandible claw. Cause I love Mick Foley and more people should do that move. Right. Mm. Cause it's an easy move to do. It's a submission thing, whatever. Um, but this is a story that's been told dozens and dozens of times. Uh, it's like 2006 Okada who is one of the biggest stars in wrestling today, uh, is in the United States on excursion. And he is in to do a weekend of Chikara shows, first one in Barnesville and the second one in Philly at the uh, ECW Arena. And someone, I can't remember who it was, convinces young Okada to go out for his match in front of the 35 paid people in Barnesville and just do the giant Baba's move set because giant Baba was really over in this town. So Okada goes out there and does this has a stinker of a match because of it. So bad. So that quack ends up pulling him from the next night show. <laughs> I've heard that story like three times already. And it's still funny. One of the best. <laughs> Oh, Zed call back? Yes, Ed does call one more time. 
Let's hear it. Hey, uh, Joe and Adams, Ed, uh, one last time. I've been, I've been watching Impact and currently watching it, and um, it's been pretty good so far. But more importantly, Broski's going to main event uh, against uh, Joe Hendry, and he's going to get a shot at the digital media title. So there you go, Adam. Maybe watch, maybe check Impact. Maybe, maybe I can get you a link if you need one, maybe, <laughs> hypothetically. Let me know. Broski's main event. All right. I assume that's the end of the call. Uh, Ed, I, I actually I have DirecTV, so I have access to Impact, and I do record it every week, and I do make it a point to check out the major player stuff. You'll be surprised when I say that. So I've seen the the Joe Hendry music video, which was awesome. I saw Broski's uh, diss track that he released as a retaliation. Yeah. And, uh, I just want you to to know, Joe and Ed, and anybody else listening to this, uh, when you refer to Broski, I need you to refer to him as the king of the sea going forward, please. Hmm. I'll call him a hairy C word. How about that? <laughs> but the rest of Impact, I fast forward through because I don't want to watch uh, Ray Deadly and Moose and Tommy Dreamer and really anything else that's going on there. There, I'm sure there are some cool people there, but yeah, it ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that. Ed, you watch Impact and you report to us. Let us know what's good, huh? Yeah, maybe like an Impact update and like a concise version. Mm-hmm. Or just save that for the, the Young Ed show sounds good to me. Yeah, I think I'd put out on Twitter that he was even going to start it. Like he officially said uh, it was going to be sometime in April, right? Yeah, yeah. So just maybe uh, some teaser episodes of, of Impact previews to get people's palate ready for it exactly uh so hey thanks everyone for calling in this week um you know we hit the real plugs up at the front of the show so the only other thing that i need to mention uh is uh iwtv aka jerry's internet wrestling emporium um use the promo code at odds if you're a new subscriber and we get a little bit of a kickback if you stick with the service for a while you know yeah uh, and i don't know like, if i'm supposed oh go ahead oh no no go ahead I was going to say, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but uh, on AtOddsWrestling.com, there's a click to Amazon. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Joe happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah! <laughs> Some purchases from our Amazon click-through this week include, as I scroll down to my notes, this is all very new to me, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, somebody purchased... We love Katamari Reroll plus Royal Reverie for the Nintendo Switch. I don't know what any of those words are. Oh, I'm I'm a fan of those games. Um, I didn't know the new one was coming out. I missed the Nintendo Direct yesterday. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out because uh, Katamari is one of the few games that I still love to this day. Is that if, the game where you roll people into like a ball and then you eventually roll up everything into yeah. a ball? Oh, okay, I remember those. I, remember. I never played yeah, them, they're older games. They did a remaster of the original one for the Switch, maybe like three, four years ago. And I guess this is them doing a re, uh, a, like a redo for the Switch, and I guess a bunch of the other systems uh, for uh, one of the other sequels. That's awesome. Cool. I'll have to go check that out. All right. Cool. Uh, also purchased, and this is going to be really fun to say. Uh, Primatine Mist Epine Fine. <laughs> inhalation aerosol in 11.7 grams g's 
I don't know. They couldn't splurge for the 12G one, so they got the 11.7G. So this is what it's going to be like with me reading these for the first time on the air. It's like Heath reading the ringside top 10. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you want to hear Adam bumblefuck his way through this, uh, go purchase weird and funny shit through the Amazon link, uh, which you can find over at, at oddswrestling.com. Absolutely. Thank you for everybody making their purchases this week and every week going forward. Joe, do you have any purges this week? I do. I do have some purges. Okay. Uh, So uh, Friday, we talked about earlier in the show, SmackDown, right? And uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, the second best place to get your clips from WWE stuff. I still use WWE American Nation, but that's just me. Um, So WWE puts up their clips of the show. And obviously they'll break up like a hot segment into multiple YouTube videos because they want you to click multiple times to watch one video. Yep. More traffic, more ads. So they put the uh, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn stuff up under two different things. And I'm just looking to see if they have fixed it. And I don't think that they have. Oh, no, they have. Sons of bitches. So uh, it says Roman Reigns vows to break Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber. Well, for all day Saturday and all day Sunday, it said Roman Reigns vows to break Sami Zayn. W-O-W-S as opposed to vows. So somebody went in there and fixed it. Good for them. And this was worth a screenshot? I have a screen cap of it forever, you know, until I delete it. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm sad you deleted that. You're not going to be able to, like, show your grandchildren that day that there was a typo on the wrestling YouTube site. (laughs) And uh, there was an AIW show on Saturday, and uh, I had a couple screenshots of people saying not too nice things about one of the people on commentary. How he's not good at commentary. And I'll say this. Um, I'll give the credit to the AIW folks still working out the kinks to the audio side of their new setup that they've been doing. We're about two months into them on their end doing stuff. Um, the person that they were talking about is a nice guy who I like a lot. I don't think he's as bad as he is, but obviously I have some rose-colored glasses. And again, I don't want to completely bury the guy. I got a lot of screen caps of people burying him. <laughs> Yeah, and at the end of the day, everybody's a better commentator than I am, so I don't bury anybody. A very low bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, if you're looking at the, the just the bottom of the basement, it's like the worst is Veda Scott, and then I'm like right above her, and then there's everybody else is above us. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but so have you gotten rid of anything this week? Uh, you know what? I I don't believe I sold anything on eBay this week. I have a couple things listed, but uh, nothing sold. So I might have to lower some prices. And I did dig through the, the the toy room for some of my excess stuff. So I do have some stuff I need to list. But uh, you know, Joe, there are some other things you should list. Listen, haha. These podcasts and those podcasts are. My notes are a mess today. Uh, God damn it. Long Box Heroes, Long Box Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, If You Catch My Grift, and Joe, Final Wrestling Place. I got to go into business for myself real quick here. I'm sorry. I have to do it. Last week's show, I made it a point in response to something that I believe Ed said about Tom Brady. Uh, 
I do believe that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And Tim and Marcus, they teamed up against me. And that that's nothing new. You know, Tim's always going to have Marcus's back. Marcus is always going to have Tim's back. But they said that because I said that Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls, therefore he's the best, which is a real generous paraphrasing of what I said. And then they said, well, I guess Bill Russell is the greatest basketball player of all time because he has the most NBA championships. Well, let me ask you this, Joe. Does Bill Russell have the most rebounds all time in the NBA? I... Oh <laughs> All right, I'm going to save you this. No, that's Will Chamberlain. Does he have the most points? No, that's LeBron. Does he have the most wins? No, that's Kareem. Does he have the most playoff wins? No, that's LeBron. So a lot of goats in basketball. A lot of people have these records, whether it be wins, playoff wins, championships, points, assists, rebounds, whatever. When it comes to the NFL, Tom Brady has the most Super Bowls, the most playoff wins, the most regular season wins, the most touchdowns, the most yardage, the most attempts, the most completions. Every single stat period, whether it be on a team basis or on an individual basis, Tom Brady, a man I hate, and I hate the fact that I have to defend him. Tom Brady has all of that. So for Tim and Marcus to just be like, well, Bill Russell has the most championships, so he's got to be the best basketball player. No. It's not even close. It's apples and oranges. It doesn't matter if old Patrick Mahomes wins this Super Bowl in the next five. He's then still going to be just chomping at Tom Brady's heels. The end of rants. Sorry for going into business for myself. It's going to be a long episode, Adam. <sighs> that was only like a three-minute rant. Well, well, we still got like at least two more segments to go. Are we done with the podcast plugs? Yeah, we're done with that. I, I think so. All right. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe, I, I don't want to say I have a big week, but I think I have a good week. And I know I'm sure I have more purchases than you, so I'm going to bang out one or two real quick ones, and I'm going to send it over to you. I Sound got good? two. So, yeah, I got two, so go for it. All right, well, you know what? I'll do my first one. Uh, in our doll chat, DJ sent out a notice either last night or the night before that Paul Mart had the latest series of the Walmart-exclusive WWE Superstar Series. And it's those Remco style figures. And here's the thing. I, I The new series, there's a lot of cool ones I like. There's Typhoon, there's Macho, there's Rock, whatever. I don't want any of those. Uh, and, and if I did, maybe I'll see Macho in a store. But you know what? Him sending me that link made me decide to give Palmart another chance on something else. And if you remember, like, series one was like the fiend hogan honky tonk and rick flair and they were everywhere like you can still probably go to walmart and get those you're you're familiar with yes i know that rick flair there was like tons of them all over the place yep and at least for me and this could be completely different somewhere else in a different part of the country but series two maybe as a response to the fact that series one was still clogging the pegs they were relatively hard to find and Series 2 had Hall, Nash, HBK, and somebody else. 
And I did find a hall a couple months ago when I was like in New York, but I was never able to find Nash and HBK. Uh, so long story short, I was like, you know what? Series three is in stores now collecting dust and series four is about to come out. I don't think I'm going to see the HPK and the Nash in person. So I rolled the dice and ordered those two from Paul Mart, hoping that they come in good shape. Fingers crossed. I hope they do for you as well. Thanks. What about you, Joe? What's one of the things you got? Uh, got another shirt for myself. Um, I've been trying to lean off getting stuff for me. Uh, but 2800 Studios, I ordered the Doink one after I'd slept on the Doink one the first time around. I wasn't going to miss it the second time around. Um, and this time they had up the, a re, you know, a, a redo, a reprint, a repress, whatever the hell you want to call it, of the uh, ECW It's Not For Everyone shirt. Yeah, no, I saw um, those. Yeah, allegedly off the original screens that they used back in 94, 95 for them. I don't know how they got them, but allegedly, allegedly. And again, <laughs> it's ECW. And back in the day, I would always buy the individual wrestler shirts because I would know. I would think, at least in my mind, that money's going to that that wrestler as opposed to an ECW shirt is going to the company. Whereas mm-hmm. now, since ECW is dead and buried, RIP a thousand years ago, uh, I could be assured that Paul Heyman is not getting a dime of my money that I spent on this shirt. Yeah, he's not getting a cut of any of that fucking money. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a purchase in the major group. I know, su- surprise, surprise. Um, but somebody posted a figure that was a pretty good price, and it was somebody that I had already done business with. So I mentioned, I-, I sent him a message, and I kind of sent him an offer uh, for even less. And he said, "Yeah, no problem." So I actually sent it over to you. I purchased for twenty five dollars shipped. Uh, WWE Elite, I believe Elite 47, uh, or I'm sorry, Elite 45, Lord Steven Regal figure. Oh, nice. First time in the line. Uh, He's got like the, you know, the 94, 95 entrance gear. Real nice. Yeah, it's a figure that like there's not a lot. That might be his only Elite. You know, I know he has a bunch of Jax figures. But uh, I thought it was just a cool pickup, you know, and for $25 shipped, it's like basically the price of going to Walmart and grabbing a figure off the packs. Right. What about you? What's something else you got? So um, we have the Switch. Um, you know, my kid has the Switch. And once they started offering it, the Switch offers like an online thing and they give you a whole bunch of like little bonuses with it. Right. Yep, and it was relatively cheap, all things considered. It's like twenty bucks a year, and you could play all your games online. Um, but then they did a thing where it was like thirty-five dollars, where it was the family plan, where you could have up to eight different accounts, right? Okay, and they don't even have to be accounts in the same house. You know, it's just eight people could be on that same thirty-five dollars for the year, right? So there was a time early in the pandemic where me and my wife were playing a lot, of course, then. That kind of went away when, like, real life started creeping back into things. So when it came up for renewal the first time around, I let it slide. When it came up for renewal the second time this past September, I forgot about it. Now they've added an expansion pack to it where, like, you pay a little bit more. And it's like, oh, hey, as part of your online thing, you get, like, all these old NES games and old Super Nintendo games. You want the Genesis games? You want the N64 games? You got to pay a little bit more, right? 
Sure. You, you want those bonus tracks on Mario Kart? You got to pay a little bit more. And like all these like different content for all these different games. So with the Nintendo Direct yesterday, they just added Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. Game okay. Boy is part of the low-end package. Game Boy Advance is part of the high-end package. So my kid sees this, and he was up my butt all day yesterday and all day today about getting it over to the expansion one. But to get it for the family, it's like a whole bunch of money, and we just renewed in September. Lo- very long story short, I end up calling Nintendo, even though I've had the family plan in place in September. They're like, okay, what we'll do is we'll refund you what you paid for the family thing in September in full as an e-card that you could use to just buy the expansion thing for him. So it was $35 for the year for the family thing on the low end, $50 for the year for him with all the extra stuff. So he had to cover the difference, but like, you know, September, October, November, December, like almost like five months in. And Nintendo's like, yeah, we'll just refund you the full purchase of what you paid in September for this thing. Okay. Got a little deal ski. Got a right. coupon. So, right. If you try to do it through their website, the website is just like, you can't do it. But if you yeah. call, you talk to someone, you're nice about it, they'll do it for you. Let that be a lesson to you. So, like, right before we started recording, everything got set up. And, my, like, as I'm trying to get ready for the podcast, my kid's yelling at me. And he's like, he's like, Dad, I need you to go over these games with me. I don't know what any of these games are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, to see him be excited by, like, seeing a whole bunch of, like, Altered Beast and, like, Streets of Rage and stuff like that. He has no idea what any of these games are, you know? Oh, Streets of Rage is awesome. Yeah, you know? And, like, so, and he's, like, oh, like, the Mario, like, on the Game Boy one, it has, like, the first, like, three or four Mario games from the Game Boy. And then the N64, I think they just added Goldeneye the other day. And, like, I can only imagine, like, if he starts playing that, that's going to be, like, his new favorite game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, he's young, and that might not hold up, you know? Yeah, you never know. I see, like, the the olds uh, from our day that played that game and that it came up on uh, the N64 expansion pack thing, and they were going out of their minds over it, you know? Yeah. I think in one of my earliest heel moves, like my earliest points where you can tell that I was going to grow up to be an asshole, is when I used to play Streets of Rage co-op with Prowler. And I don't remember if it was the first game or the second game, but you get to the end boss and he basically says, if you turn on your partner, you can join me. Mm-hmm. And I immediately turned on Prowler and then they make you fight each other. And yes. then I beat him. And then the boss turns on you and you have to fight the boss by yourself. So that was one of the earliest points of my life where I realized that uh, I was not going to grow up to be a face. Uh, <laughs> But I have uh, one or two other real quick purchases. Joe, you know how, and obviously longtime listeners of the show will know, that I am just a huge Top Flight mark. Like, I'm always talking about Top Flight. Oh, yeah. Dante, Darius, Adam, the three of you. Yeah, I just... Like, every day, I'm like, oh, I wonder what Top Flight's up to. Like, I have a Top Flight fan fiction blog that I set up. So I said to myself, I need to go and get the rookie cards of Top Flight. And, Joe, Top Flight's rookie cards were in a set that came out in 2021 from an indie. And I don't even know what this indie is, but it's AAW. Right. Uh, they're the, they're a Chicago-based uh, independent organization. Sure. Okay, so AAW 
in 2021 came out with a set of cards. You know, a lot of indies will do like, here's our cards and AIW shout out. You guys need to sell cards. Um, so I went and I bought a factory sealed set of that AAW card set so I can get the top flight rookie cards. And it had nothing at all to do, Joe, with the fact that also in that set were the rookie cards of somebody called Elena Black. Kind of looks like Cora Jade. I don't know, but it says Elena Black on it. And also this other lady. Um, let me see if I have the pronunciation right. Uh, Sky Blue. But I guess their rookies are in there, too. But I bought it because of Top Flight, Joe. Not because of Dragon Bane or whoever the hell else is in this set? I, 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 I'm I, sure people tell me that there's another, like, 18 cards in this box. I don't know what they are. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I got the rookie cards of of Top Flight, Joe. That's why I bought it. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess looking at these cards, obviously they were sent out, promoted, etc., by an indie indie promotion. Uh, I don't think you'll be sending those out to be graded anytime soon. I take it, huh? Well, those pictures that I sent you are just of the cards that I saw on the internet. My box is still like wrapped. I'm not gonna open it up. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So you're just okay. I gotcha. I'm just gonna keep it sealed and just so I know I have Top Flight's rookie cards in that box. Uh, also, Cora Jade and Sky Blue. <laughs> but like, I, I no, I don't. I don't. I'm one of the people that, as long as I know I have it, I don't need to see it. You know, so I don't need to like take them out of the box and see if they're in good shape. They're sealed. They're in there. I'm fine with that. You know, for sure. All right, last purchase, and then we're done with weekly purchases. Joe, I, I I don't want to call it a big boy purchase because I think I got a really, really, really good price on this. And by real, really good price, I would say that I paid about a third of the going rate on this figure. And this is a figure that I have wanted off and on. Like, I've never, like, kept it on my watch list for long periods of time because – Every time I almost pull the trigger, the price seems to go up, and I'm like, ah, oh, I missed it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the right. bubble keeps going up and up and up. But somebody put one of these up on eBay this week, like, as an auction starting at a buck. And with a day left, it was, like, super cheap. And there was, like, a last-second, like, run on it. But I purchased, and I'm going to send you a picture, mint on card with a beautiful card. A beautiful, uncracked, unyellowed card. Oh, I'm sorry, unyellowed bubble. A mint on card 1990 Galoob Brian Pillman figure. WCW Brian Pillman figure. And I just sent you the picture. Waiting for it to pop up here. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm looking at that. That looks real minty. Uh, bubble looks in good shape not yellowed you know yeah and one of the things that i see a lot of them that are up on ebay up in the top left where it says high flying and dangerous there's a lot of them where that section is in spanish and i guess there's i don't know whether it's mexico or spain but the foreign card is less desirable you know uh, gotcha. as, as is generally the case with like comics and all that kind of stuff uh so it was hard to track down an American carded one where the, the cardboard is obviously in good shape. And as I mentioned, like the bubble's not yellow, the bubble's not cracked, you know, it's overall in really good shape. And like I said, like 
uh, like less than a hundred bucks, you know, which is is a crazy price for that. So yeah, I've that's wanted that, I wanted that for a long time. Awesome. Now, is this going to start you trying to get other galoobs, or are you good with just the pillman? I I always just wanted the pillman. You know, uh, back when he was uh, the hottest thing in wrestling when he was in ECW. That's when I was like super obsessed with Brian Pillman. Obviously, I still am a fan, like not of his kid, but I still am a, a fan of Brian Pillman now. And I remember the very first figure that I was able to get of his was the Stomp. I don't know if it was Stomp Series 1 or Stomp Series 2 for the WWE. And it's a terrible, terrible figure. But that was my first Brian Pillman figure. And that when that figure came out, that's when 97, 98, something like that. That's when I started researching, does he have other better figures? And that's where I first discovered or rediscovered the Galoob. Yeah. And it's always been on my radar since then. But like once the major podcast came out, like in the all the old carded figures kind of exploded. Um, these aren't as hard to find as mint on card Hasbro's, but they're slowly in their wake. You know, they're getting there. Right. Um, so I'm happy with this. I don't need anybody else. I have no attachment to like Ric Flair or Arne Anderson or anything like that. Uh, this was just a, a figure that I wanted, and I'm good with this. I'll I'll find a defender for it, and I'll put it in the Detolf next to my my Shawn Michaels Hasbro. You know, as just my two oldest carded wrestling figures. Cool, and I'm glad that like I said, I, and I know you said you got a good price on it, and the fact that it's all English, it's not a foreign card, it's not a banged up card, it's not a yellowed bubble. I say uh, that's a, a steal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I was pumped. I was talking to da- our buddy Derek, uh, who also shout out. Thank you for helping with the a uh, the AIW inspired T shirt. But I had told him I was like, dude, there's no way this finishes anywhere close to a hundred. Uh, I had kind of projected that it was going to be like two fifty to three. Uh, and like I said, under a hundred bucks. Uh, I was shocked. Always got to keep an eye on those things, man. Yeah, it's all. It's just a matter of like, there's. I'm sure there's lots of people that were looking for that figure, but how many of them were at work or sleeping or doing something else? And it might have just been the perfect storm of, you know, just not enough eyes on it, you know. Or still don't know how eBay works. Yeah, that too. Yeah, but uh, that's it for me for purchases, Joe. But I don't know about you. I'm pretty fired up about something. Joe, I'll be relatively quick about this. Uh, I've mentioned on the podcast before that uh, FedEx, for whatever reason, likes to drop other people's packages off at my house, almost like they just don't want to go down the street. Or for whatever reason, they'll deliver something that has my address number but the wrong town. You know, like it'll be like, let's say my address is 123 Main Street. It'll be like, oh, this was supposed to go to 123 Main Street, Wilkes-Barre, but we gave it to Scranton, something like that. I get nonstop packages from FedEx that aren't mine. And it happened again last week where I opened up my front door and there was these two giant packages on my front porch. One is a long box, maybe long and tall. uh, And the other one is a giant like living room rug that is wrapped in like, like plastic. Okay. I look at at the thing. They're both from Walmart. 
They're both addressed to some name I don't recognize. And uh, my street number, we'll just say, is 100 Main Street. These were addressed to 102 Main Street. And I said, oh, FedEx, you got me again. I picked them up, and I'm like, I'm going to walk these over to 102 Main Street. (laughs) Here's the thing, Joe. There is no 102 Main Street. So I opened up Google Maps. No such address exists. So I'm like, all right. I don't know who the fuck is sending packages to this phantom address, but FedEx just said, well, close enough. I'm going to drop it off at this place, which has now, the wrong, wrong name and wrong address. But go ahead. Were they both the same wrong name or were they two different wrong names? They were both the same wrong name with the same wrong, like fictional address. And they were okay. both from Walmart. So they could okay. tell they were from the same order. So I jumped on. FedEx's website, and they have a spot where you can report receiving a package that isn't yours. And it asks you, hey, will you put in the tracking number? And I did that for both of them. And it says, you know, how can we contact you? And I gave them my phone number and I gave them my email. And it said, somebody will reach out to you within 24 hours to uh, arrange a pickup. I'm like, all right, not a problem. I don't want this fucking rug. (laughs) I'm not opening this other box to find out what it is. I I haven't opened it. I didn't open it. So I do the thing on FedEx's website. Within 24 hours, they don't get back to me. I wait a week. They never get back to me. A week? A week. So you would think, and no email, no phone call, no missed calls, nothing in spam. Nobody knocked on my door. The stuff's just here. So normal people would just be like, listen, I gave it enough time. I'm going to, like, this is my stuff now. But I was going to an area near a FedEx place. So I threw the stuff in the Jeep. Drove to a FedEx store. I was on Doll Safari, so I went, went in and I said, hey, here's this stuff. The address doesn't exist, blah, blah, blah. This happens to me a lot. There is no such address. You know, Don't send these back to me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we'll definitely look into that. We'll make sure that that doesn't go in there. We'll make a note in the system. Joe, the next day I open my front door. What do I see? The same two fucking packages. Again. Get the fuck out of here. Same thing. And there's actually written on the box and on the, the packaging to the carpet. It says, do not deliver to two eight, uh, to, to whatever my address. Oh, fucking 280. Do not deliver it to 280. Uh, this person doesn't live there. Like the FedEx employee wrote it on there. But FedEx still just dropped it off. So at that point, I said, you know what? I've gone above and beyond. Uh, I was like, hey, mom, do you want a rug? (laughs) I sent her a picture. She's like, sure, I'll take it. And I still haven't opened the box yet to see what's inside of it. So I'm kind of curious. Maybe we'll we'll update next week to find out what the free item in the box from Walmart is. Maybe it's a PlayStation 5. I don't know. But (laughs) I I was going to say you should do it as a live unboxing on the show next week. All right, I, I will do that. You know what? I'll, I'll keep it sealed, and uh, we'll have next week a live unboxing of what the mystery FedEx Walmart package is. So, like I said, the other one I know is a rug because it's in a clear plastic bag, but I uh, so, don't know what's on the rug. I'll throw this out there. You tell me what you think. Uh, take a picture of the box. Okay. Put it up on uh, on uh, social media and have people guess what they think is inside the box. Okay. And if whoever I, comes closest, maybe they win what's inside the box. Oh, uh, but unless it's something really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, am I allowed to give hints? Like if somebody asks, like, is it heavy or or just no, you can look at the size of the box and that's it. That's up to you. Okay. 
I think we should it should just be bragging rights. <laughs> All right. But maybe I'll send them a, a, a T-shirt or something down the road. I don't know. The bragging rights sounds cheaper, more economical for me. But I like your idea of getting uh, getting it out there. I think that would be entertaining. So that's unfucking believable that, like, you bring it back to them. Yep. They put a note on it that says, do not deliver to this address. And they fucking bring it back to you the next day. <laughs> yeah, literally the next day. Like, that's some pretty quick turnarounds. <laughs> And here's the thing. I've been lamenting this for years. I have security cameras all around my house, as you know, from my constant surveillance of my mail lady. You yes. Know? Um, I My ring camera goes off whenever the, the post office shows up. It goes off whenever UPS shows up or any other person comes up to my door or any of my doors. FedEx. I don't know if they've developed cloaking technology. They will not set off any of my cameras. No I, way. I get FedEx deliveries, not often, but I'd say maybe once a month, something comes from FedEx from some retailer. And I only know that that stuff deliver, it shows up when I get the email saying, hey, your item from FedEx is delivered. And I open my door. They are invisible to radar. I don't know if it's an intentional thing. <laughs> they are invisible to motion detectors. I have never once caught a FedEx employee on any of my cameras. It's fucking incalculable <laughs> because i my, i want to have like oh hey they're coming up to my door i want to be like oh let me go out there and talk to them or give them their shit back but they're or just, let me see the guy who's fucking doing this yeah completely invisible <laughs> fucking romulan cloaking technology ah <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'll take a picture uh, tomorrow and tweet it out, and we'll see if anybody can guess what's in the box. What's yeah. in the box? What's in the there box? You beat me to it. <sighs> but that's it for me. All right. That's everything, everybody. Yeah. Oh, boy. What a show. Stacked. All right. So, hey, thanks, everyone, for listening. This was episode 228 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.